Hey guys, welcome back to the Pod of Greed. Another We're week. We're back, baby. More news, Yu-Gi-Oh! and card game and entertainment and everything, really. Now, before we start, I just want to uh, give us a round of applause for continuing this podcast another week in a row. Yes, I think that's actually... That's impressive that's for impressive us. That's impressive for us. Guys, uh-huh. we are not the most dedicated or hardworking people. Yeah, 12, this is the 12th one, actually. What? Yeah, it doesn't even feel like we've been doing that many. But, it really doesn't. But here we are. So, um, yeah, uh, hopefully you guys have been enjoying. Of course, following, we appreciate all your comments, feedback, mm-hmm. everything else. We've been reading it. We've got a... Uh, if you guys stopped commenting on our videos, we would have already stopped. Yeah, so if you want us to stop... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, um, and we do have, of course, new cards to pull from the pot and everything else. That's right. All right, so I think there's... A few Yu-Gi-Oh things. One really big one that kind of everyone's been talking about, but first maybe we can get through some of the smaller kind of little things. So the sneak peek for Duelist Nexus is this weekend. Yes, it is. Yep. And are you interested in any of the stuff from the set? Like usual, I'm mostly interested in a lot of the small stuff in the set. Just a lot of tech cards, kind of useful little things. I can't think of anything major in that set that I want, though. So there's like the Crimson Dragon stuff. That's cute. Uh, that's kind of a big thing. Wait, I thought really that was a structure deck. That. No, that's we were thinking of the Crimson King, but like Crimson Dragon was also. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's actually now that you think about it, that's actually they're very similar. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing. But yeah, the, the Crimson Dragon cards and all that. That's like, the thing that looks like Ultimize Loken, but it's not. Yeah, Ultimize Loken, I think is like a form of it, or something. I gotta finish five these fans. Uh, don't five kill these. Me, <laughs> um, and there's like Synchron cards. I do. I, oh, I do look I forward saw. to Synchrons. Uh, we're getting that uh, the one that looks like a, a little power tool dragon, I believe. I forget yeah. its exact name. So it's, I'm kind of sad to say I'm not actually super into almost any five Ds related decks. Wow. I'm, it, it's funny. The only one that I kind of played for a bit was the Red Dragon deck, and even that I don't know that I love. Five Ds fans, kill them in the comments. I'm right there with they you. They will, and I don't even know what the Crimson Dragon's name was. So. <laughs> Yeah, but um, so I'm I don't know. I've never really found stuff like Stardust or Black Wings or any of that to be like super enticing for me. I just I think maybe mechanically Synchro doesn't resonate with me. I challenge you now to build a Black Wing deck in Master Duel. Oh Lord, no! I play against play it every day as it is. Build it and play it. Yuck! I actually hate facing that deck. It, it's very common now. It'll be different now that you that. are using it. Okay. Um. What else is in there? I know that the, the Tristina, is that what they're called? Yeah, the new world premiere archetype. Uh, they are essentially zombie, not zombie, um, well, I guess pandemic crystals. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to just see like what's in They, is there anything that's like meta staple in this set? I don't, because I feel like the main thing that's happened is that they've got, um, it's more, that's, a lot of that stuff is in, what is the next one? Age of Overlord seems like it's kind of the right. more meta defining kind of set, which is a bit of a shame because this is a green duelist set, but I'm trying to. I mean, the green sets, they tend to introduce something new and groundbreaking, but in this case, that's illusionist. Is it illusionist yeah. or just illusion? Illusion. Just illusion, illusion okay. monsters, yeah. That's illusion monsters, and we know, well, from what we can tell. Currently, they're not like yeah. at a great place yet. And I have a theory on why that is. Okay, what do you think? I mean, the, number one, uh, it's, it's the first round of support for such, such a thing, and that's always kind of bad. Yeah. But more so than anything else, monsters that 
can't destroy things by battle, that immediately removes a little bit of the utility that all monsters are supposed to have. Correct. That will that means that their effects have to be so much better to compensate. And right now they're just not. Yeah. Um there's a few other things. I forget this new rescue ace card, unchained cards, evolves our cards. Oh god, they can't out barrier statues. That's funny. <laughs> they can't they can't even run over a barrier statue. Um oh yeah the Infernoble cards are in there. I know that's something that you Oh might yeah I do want to play a new Infernobles. Oh, okay. So this is this is relevant to the podcast. Uh, there was a like card in the set called um, the Pod of Greed, and it has been changed in localization. Oh, it is now just called Greed Jar, which I don't like. Yo, that is lame. I was hoping they would name a card after us. I mean, I know that like Konami would name a card after our podcast, so because we but thought like, of the Pod so of it's Greed, greed Jar. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's hold on, let me. That's an interesting name. Yeah, it's like this thing, and it's. Yeah. Is there? Does it's it have some relation monster. to the jar cards? Yeah, it's like another one of that kind of greed and pot cards. It involves drawing. And, but like, but to the jar cards, not the pot. Oh, cards, to the, the jar specifically? No, I guess mm-hmm. not. Although the two are, I guess the pots and the jars are kind of vaguely related as a concept within Yu-Gi-Oh in general. Yeah, we've had jars in this There's game like for jar a long greed, time. jar of avarice, pot of greed, pot of avarice. And we've had morphing jar and fiber jar and cyber jar. So yeah, let us know if you guys are going to be at the sneak peeks uh, picking up some some packs for yourselves. Um our local card shop just recently got an OTS certification, so maybe they'll hey. be having a They might be having a sneak peek, I'm not sure. I though. feel like someone told me they are. I actually might go to that. If so, I, I would like to. We had we had a lot of fun at the uh, other sneak peek. Which one was that? Um, that was Cyberstorm. Yes, yeah, Cyberstorm Access. Yeah, that was a good experience. Um, we we were actually out of town. We were in Texas, but we went to um to the Cyberstorm Access sneak peek with mm-hmm. a friend and had a good time because it had been a while since I'd really gone to a sneak peek, and I thought that it was. It was pleasant just seeing people kind of excited about a new set. Ripping open packs. Ripping open packs. I won, uh, what? I won like the raffle twice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You won the raffle. You got what? The mat and the? Yeah, the mat and the card. And the card. Yeah, I didn't get either of those, but I did. Uh, At least you won a game. Yeah, I, I won I a game the tournament. I was playing with an Exorcist deck without a side deck. It was a bit of a travesty. I was playing a badly optimized Neos deck. You know, it's kind of a strange thing. Mm-hmm. I played so much Master Duel now that I was like, Legitimately, like I've almost started not expecting to be able to side deck when I play in person. There are people out there who don't even believe in side decking, even though they don't play Mastodon. Yeah, I mean that was the hot take for like the last episode or whatever. Someone was like, "What if you just didn't have side oh, decks? Yeah. Like you shouldn't have them." But it's weird. Like I went to this tournament, I was like, oh, "Okay, I guess I'll just have to main deck my Dark Roller no more, and main deck like everything, and there's no siding." But then it's like, "Oh, wait, it's the TCG. Of course, I can side." So, and I just thought that was kind of a funny. Uh, I can never uh, wrap my head around that idea of no siding. I remember the, the times when I've played competitively, I couldn't imagine not siding because these yeah. decks are so rude. Everything is so polarizing in Yu-Gi-Oh! now. I, I find myself using that word a lot, but like things are just so extreme. Like either Find a synonym. Everything is so divisive. Ooh, I like devices. Yeah, I mean, but seriously, though, like, I, I don't... It's funny because when I did that, it did make me realize Master Duel could use side decking. Like, when you're facing just these, it's like, I guess you can go, only in a game like Yu-Gi-Oh, can you go from, like, a deck that's, like, swarming monsters or whatever, mm-hmm. to then something that's just, like, setting five obnoxious traps. And it's, like, 
if you don't have the ability to side in that like feather duster or lightning storm or evenly like these trap decks will eat you alive but then if you want to main deck those cards they're useless against a lot of like heavy right. monster based combo so i totally see why the side deck is a good thing it's just kind of a funny you know what could be cool what if there was an extra mode in master duel a uh, tournament mode that actually allowed for siding. People have wanted it. Best for ages. of three with sides. Hardcore Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I don't. I don't think that they're gonna. They seem like they just don't want to add that. I, just, I would like it. I wonder what it'll be like to side in a format with three max C. That's a great question. I think like, I like the chaos that that introduces. Like, because would you even like keep your maxis in or side them out, or like would you side in? Like, yeah. Now, now you can side your maxis. Though, from the few OCG lists that I've seen in the past uh, few years, they seem to just believe in maining it. Like, it's always good all the I time. I mean, the thing is, it's it's a always it's almost always a main deck worthy card. You would be better off main decking your maxi and then siding it out against like a trap heavy right. deck or something. But it makes me wonder, like, if you're playing against kind of a mid-range deck and then they know that you've got Maxi, would there be, like, a maybe a metagame to that? It's like, I, I would still rather have my Maxi than not. Mm-hmm. I think in more times than not, honestly. Yeah, so that's a cool thing. Um, Duelist Nexus, it's coming out. I'll mm-hmm. try to get my hands on some packs and see what I can may have to do. Uh, Larry and I are supposed to be maybe recording a little bit of a, a series with him about that set. Not a, a series, like yeah, it might might be something a, familiar. Might is, is it? A, might be in a hole. A subterranean level. It might be beneath surface level. Yes. Oh, okay. So Louisiana. <laughs> wow. Um, um. Oh, speaking of Age of Overlord, there have been a lot of uh, reveals from that set. Can we talk about that on here? I mean, I don't see why not. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I I just want to talk the about Konami ninjas stuff. are gonna come and <laughs> murder us. Knock at the door. Don't talk about it. Like no, I mean. Yeah, I saw a few of them. What have you seen? I saw the Labyrinth thing. So, yeah, the Butler Labyrinth card, Arius, if I'm getting your yeah. name correct. Then there's the new Beyond the Pendulum. So, what is really what, that one's Exceed the Pendulum, isn't it? Exceed the Pendulum. Well, sounds like it's Xyz report. I mean, Xyz support, which makes some sense because um, there are uh, Pendulum strategies that do have a lot of Xyz monsters they make. The problem with Xyz monsters and Pendulum decks, their the materials material, go to the grave. Yeah. And this one specifically can recover your pendulums from the grave. And that throws some people for a loop because it's not an immediate um it's not an it's not an immediate just plus. Right, yeah. That's it it true. takes a little bit of setup, but you can set that up. It is very doable. I think it's cool anytime that they're just giving pendulums anything. Like give I've us electromite for the then. longest time. A, I think electromite could come back and it'd be fine. It's a two. There's only actually, yeah. Uh, you know, I actually, yeah, <laughs> I, I know that's going to sound crazy to some people. But I'm serious when I say Pendulum is like the most like, you know, like the, in the there's like the two strikes rule in America mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, OK, like if you're black or a woman or whatever, you know, a minority, something like that, you already have it pretty bad. And if you're both like you're a minority woman, then it's like the two strikes rule, which, by the way, I think like I'm not saying like it's a good thing, but that's just like what people call it. Uh, I think the concept very much exists. Y'all, go ahead is, and just cancel him. It's all right. No, I'm just, don't, please. Um, no, but with Pendulum, I feel like they like suffer from the two strikes rule. They already had any inherent weaknesses of like kind of needing to set the spells and traps and the scales and all that. Mm-hmm. But then Master Rule 4 Revision just screwed them because it gave everyone else back their freedom of extra monster zones. But then like 
Pendulums just didn't get it. So Which they're still relegated to the extra monsters. And if you want to, I guess, add on the fact that they just banned Electromite as well, it's like, people, is Konami seems like they really don't care much for Pendulums. Like, it's almost yeah. like they just don't, they wish they hadn't made them sometimes. So if Sometimes it feels like the Pendulum thing was like a thought experiment that they printed. Yeah, and then they just decided, no. So, you know, we didn't actually like this. It wasn't, this wasn't what we thought it would be. Mm-mm. Is she a Link 3, I believe? Yeah, it's a Link 3. Oh, see, that's a little, that asked for a little bit from you. Not too much when you had to make a Link monster anyway because you didn't want to just summon to your extra monster zone. I mean, yeah, but I guess you'd be making Beyond the Pendulum first. And, and then all you need is a good... one more monster. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in seeing what comes of that. Especially since Beyond the Pendulum turns off your uh, effects unless you do a Pendulum summon. So you should be able to make this monster. Mm-hmm. Because it just should happen. Now, some people might choose to still use Selene. Uh, I forget the exact name of that Selene monster, but yeah. that's the go-to link three for Pendulum decks. For some decks, I think it's a side grade. Other decks, I think it's a full upgrade. As a Pendulum purist, it's a huge upgrade. I hate Selene. Yeah. You call yourself a Pendulum purist? Oh, yeah. I love Pendulums. I love, I love them to death. Um, do I love comboing with Pendulums? No. What do you mean? Like, why not? Pendulum combos are a nightmare. Oh, my they God. They seem confusing. No, I know, like, I, I've always been, like, a small brain. I can barely play a combo deck to like, save my life. But Pendulum ones in particular just seem like, to... Grab a handful of performance power cards and then tell me what to do with them. Yeah, it's, the Pendulum ones just go over my head. I remember you were trying to make a deck with the two, uh... When they went, like, what, what were the ones? How did that go? Are you talking about, uh... The performance Pal Angel and the performance Pal, um... Was it Gentrude and Lady, Lady Ange? Ange? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, those two monsters... Get have their own interactions and they have their own combo lines within the Performer Pal deck. But at, when I was building it at the time, there were no resources to help me figure out what the combo lines we were supposed to be trying to make were. And when I, I would sit down and I'd map out these three and four card combos and they got so intricate and convoluted, it, I, I realized that I was, I was going to wait until we got the, um, the, new, the newer one now. The performer pal, uh, the butler guy, mm-hmm. not Gentry, but the, the old man butler one, because he makes your your combos much cleaner and easier. Yeah, I'm always a fan of the simpler approaches to these decks. Like, I think the only Pendulum deck that I really played, well, I played two. So, to be fair, I guess I've played a little bit of Pendulum. Someone's a Pendulum My level. combo kind of Pendulum deck was like when I played Zephra. Oh, I hated your Zephra deck. Yeah, Zephra with the Zephrath and all that stuff and the kind of Yang Zing thing. And then I, the more control, sort of slow rolly one was I liked Magic Specters. They mm-hmm. were very simple, very fun, and kind of easy. They just can't be targeted or destroyed. But, but they took weak. away Kieran, so there's no point in playing Magic Specters. Yeah, once Kieran got banned, I just feel like they can't really. I'm actually surprised Kieran did, hasn't come back to one. I think it, I think it could, but like Konami doesn't. So. It's like I can't even think of a uh, of a situation where Kieran's considered OP anymore. Yeah, no, I totally get you. I think um we're just kind of at a point now where Konami's trying to help pin them a little, but they still don't really seem to want to give Electromite back. So I'm not really sure anymore. I have no clue. But um oh yeah, I want to ask oh. your opinion on the uh, the new Labyrinth monster, Arius. Yeah, I think it, it's I don't I've read its effect only once. I think it can like set a trap from your hand and it can be activated that turn as like a quick effect like you can pitch it and do that and then does something else and i forget the other effect i remember reading it and thinking it was 
a little underwhelming. Not like a, not like a bad card, but just that the Labyrinth strategy seems strong enough and that it didn't really move it forward significantly. I saw a um a screenshot from a game from a game on a illegal dueling software where um it was a sword soul it was Labyrinth versus Sword Soul. Sword Soul went first and they they just finished their turn and Labyrinth had a full board on the Sword Soul turn one. Wait, are we really calling them illegal dueling softwares now? I mean, I don't know which one it was. Oh, okay. Oh, so these mean one of the it's like EDO Pro. I don't know. There was a con- so there was a controversy with one of them the other day, but I don't I don't like know what it was. I was gonna bring Do you know up which one it was or what the controversy was. Uh, oh goodness, I don't. You don't follow. know. Dueling was it? Dueling Nexus. I thought or, Dueling Nexus was a set. Well, no, that, it is Duelist Nexus, but I think it was Dueling Nexus, or maybe it was like Dueling Omega. I don't know. Don't ask me. So you can see why I just called it just illegal you know what, you're dueling right. software. Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> one I, of the fan-made simulators. I don't know. I think illegal makes it sound like they're like cursed. I mean, I don't think they're there. But, I mean, they are copyright infringing things. No, in Konami's eyes, they're (laughs) cursed. I use them, so. um. I only don't use them because I'm too lazy to go to Discord. Yeah, that's true. You can, like, download things. I mean, Dueling Book's fine. We've used that to test for a few videos. That's true. And Konami tried to stop that, but look what's still here. Yeah, you can't stop them, Konami. You hear it? (laughs) Um, What else was I going to say? There's something else. So, Age of Overlord... There's also, I feel like there's something I'm forgetting about it, but I about, guess we'll about Age of Overlord. Age of Overlord specifically. There's there's been a lot of cards revealed. I think that some more of the like pyro stuff is also in there. Like some. Of it's Who would have thought pyro would get so much love suddenly. at this point in Yu-Gi-Oh? Well, I feel like Konami's been doing this thing like kind of once a year or so. They pick a type that's sort of been underutilized, and they go pretty hard on it. Thunder Dragons in 2018, uh, 2019, kind of 2020 was like rock. They went really hard on rock. Ugh. They added like the Xeno guitar. They added Emancipators. You know, you're right. Quacky Meru thing. Really thought about that. Revival Golem or whatever. There's like, or Tackle. Well, Revival Golem was not new. Tackle Crusader. Tackle Crusader. That wasn't new either. It was like, well, I guess it all just came together. It did come suppose, together. So. And add Emancipators made it. And so this year it so seems horrible. like it's going to be Pyro. So. So what do you think's next? Uh, the only ones that feel left is like I think they're gonna do a little bit more with Sea Serpent. Sea Serpent isn't as neglected as some of the others, but I know that since they're redoing the Fire King structure deck, that presumably they'll do the Atlantean structure deck. Were they too. Sea Serpents? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I yeah. did not know that. And the Atlanteans are Sea Serpents. The Mermails are kind of a mix, but um, like I, I get Fire Fit I mean Fire Kings. I want Fire Fist support again. And I want it to actually work. Yeah, the last round was hyped up, but very much under. Paul, I gotta tell him my story. Okay. All right, guys. So this is uh, put yourself in my shoes. I believe this is um, the tail end of when um, Thunder Dragons are falling out of um, out of vogue, and I, the new Fire King Fire Fist support has come out. The every all the cards are expensive. All these all the secret rares are expensive, and. I picked up everything because I remembered how dominant Fire Fists were in their heyday. And I thought it was so cool, the idea to be able to play them in the modern game. Mm-hmm. Then I found out that 
the new Fire Fists were way more combo-y than the old ones, which isn't like a horrible thing, but when you change up the playstyle of a deck so aggress- aggressively, you do, you lose some of the like some of what made that some deck of the special. Flavor. Kind of like what happened with Gladiator Beast, I, I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. But I, but I was fine with it because Panda looked cool, and I was always willing to deal with learning some combos to play Panda. Uh, then uh, Paul, we went to like what was an OTS tournament, I think. Yeah, like an OTS or regional. We went to a or regional something. or an OTS, and I couldn't do anything the entire event. I no matter I would win the die roll, I'd start my combo hand trapped. Then I yeah. did that every single round. And the deck just could not deal with the deck traps. had multiple spots where I uh, an ash blossom. That was it. I played my. I think I had called buys and never. It didn't matter. The deck lost to ash so badly. Yeah, that I had such a bad experience playing that deck. I told everyone. I warned everyone I could. Don't build it. And I never touched it again. Yeah, that, that support really fell flat. It really fell flat. But, uh, I mean, we are giving Fire King some love. That Xyz looks really good. I could, you know, it's, I've never really liked the Fire King aesthetic. I don't know what it is about them. So I, I, think I, the mo- I think their effects are cool. I think the monsters are strong. I just never liked the way they look. I'm kind of the opposite. I always thought the look was cool, and I just found the deck to not speak to me, like, play style-wise. Blowing up the board? That's always fun. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give it a shot with this new stuff. I mean, because I wanted to try out Unchained, and they're like pretty functionally similar, self-destructive, and getting happened to Unchained. They're getting oh, they're getting support. They are. They're getting support. Yeah, in this new set, Duelist Nexus, and that's supposed to help them a fair bit. So, I don't think I even seen the new Unchained support. I read it like a little bit once. They say it's good. I'll I'll take people's word for it. (laughs) I mean, it must be, it must be okay. Um, okay, a Master Duel news. Here's your update in Master Duel, guys. I'm your resident Master Duel person. He plays so much Master Duel, guys. It's They insane. started... Okay, so first and foremost... He played Master Duel this morning. They... Yeah, I had to get some B-roll for a video. So, uh-huh. He was having fun. Um, they... So they added in, like, Labyrinth and all the other things. Labyrinth, Dark World, Trap Tricks. Generator's got a couple cards. Uh, Labyrinth is obnoxiously strong in Master Duel now. It shows up a lot in Diamond. It's annoying to face. It's a little Ikea furniture build. You're a Labyrinth player, though. Was. I don't play it in Master Duel. I just, there's something about when a deck gets to be too. Uh, you can relate, right? Like when a deck. Yeah, don't I think compare gets to me to you. Too I'm mainstream. casual. I don't really like to play them when they're like too strong. Mm. I'm a little bit of a masochist in that way. Like I enjoy playing Labyrinth, and I think that I actually like it more in the TCG, where it's not like kind of top three status decks right now. I'd say, but like in Master, it's just so popular. I was like, if I play it, I'm just like another Labyrinth player right now. Like I'll wait, give it like a month, and then I'll I'll give it a shot. And like, be, let people kind of like cool off from the deck. It's annoying to face right now for sure. Just play a bunch of labyrinth dittos. You'll be all right. Oh dear God, no! It's a pretty fun mirror match, but not one that I have the patience to always play. Like on some nights and ranked. Just but, use red reboot. So I'll tell you what's really sad about this uh, though is you gotta be careful with red reboot. By the way, against that deck, like if you don't kill them right then and there, and you use red reboot and give oh, them that free yeah. trap. You'll pay. <laughs> get exactly what they need. I would argue evenly tends to get more mileage against them. But anyways, so Dark World got added in, and nobody seems to play it. But you know what they That's, do play? What? They play the Fusion. In Tier Elements. The fu- 
The Dark World Fusion, the big new graph, huh? How are they making that? With King of the Freaking Swamp. Because, oh. yeah, see, don't you love that? Don't you love when your favorite deck, you know, gets new support? That's so lame. And then the top tier deck is just like, let's co-opt it and cheat out its one like, decent boss monster. That is So now lame. what they do, yeah, that's right. Because his material is just like Grapha plus like a Dark or whatever, or a Fiend or whatever. Yeah, one know. thing is generic and one has to be Grapha. And so it's like really easy and they just use the King of the Swamp, which they already could use in tier and now they can like even easier. And so... They make one him in addition to roll callos and everything else, and now he's just one more like basically <sighs> negation. It's so exhausting. Like everything is just support for that. Deck. Everything is just support for tier, and it's like I was expecting to play against some dark world decks. I wanted somebody to use that new dark world archives, right? You know, or oh, some of the other archive is only okay. It's like a one up. I want to see like a dark world deck. Oh. I've seen no dark world monster outside of him. It's just crazy. Silva got banned, so yeah, no hand looping. And then Traptrix is here, and it's people are playing that. It's not as annoying as Labyrinth, so I give it a pass. And I actually really like the Traptrix deck. I just don't like their art. Yeah, their art's a bit of a puts me off a little bit. You know, I, you just when when you're playing Traptrix, you just hope like your mom doesn't walk into the room. Yeah, I, is I this think... why I don't have grandchildren, Mom? <laughs> I it's not the time. And I'm not gonna lie. Like when I see the Traptrix artworks and stuff on the play mats, I'm just like. Jeez, Konami. It's so weird that Konami conceived trap tricks, but then, like, anytime stuff comes to the TCG, they're, like, airbrushing and, like, adding, you know, clothes up to cover up the smallest hint of cleavage, but they have no problem drawing these, like, really not great trap tricks arts. I don't know how the decision-making goes with when cards are imported and the censoring and all that. It can't be the same people that conceive the cards that also do the censorship. And I I feel like when they designed Trap Tricks, it was because, like, someone lost a bet. Wow. Like, like someone lost a bet, and now they had to make this archetype. I sometimes feel like someone was getting something off, and, and we got Trap Tricks, because they, they, they're, they're very uncomfortable for me. Like, I don't... It's... It was, anyway. It was someone's birthday. They say you can make whatever you wanted. Say less. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not a big fan of their art. I don't mind their play style. I, I would play it if I just was... If the aesthetic was a little bit better for me. The, that style of control deck I really like. It's a very uh, metered, and um, it plays at just the kind of pace I like to play at. Yeah, it's not super obnoxious, so... And then there's generators, which I have actually seen a couple of generator decks in, like, ranked. How many you lose to? I don't usually lose to it. It's not a very good... Uh, okay. yeah, generator right. tends to fault. just... It's a little awkward still and clunky, and I get Peters out. It takes its time to lose, what you're saying. But it is... Now that I see it played more, I do think it's like kind of fun. So It's fun to see its mechanic working a little more as intended, which I think that you know the new... Um, the red one, Vara, I believe is her name. Couldn't say the name. Vala or Vara. She brings the strategy together more, so... For those of you out there who did want to try out generators or something, I'd say that they are now at least serviceable. They won't so. beat him, though. They won't. I mean, I've lost to a couple. It happens. But it's wow. it's a lot more playable now. So, uh, those, those, are the, those are the new decks. Um, they're cool. Uh, oh, and there's a new event, too. There's the Fairy versus Fiend event is going on. So, what is that? Dark World versus what? Well, no. It's more like Labyrinth versus everything else. 
Labyrinth versus yeah. everybody. People didn't like this event because they felt like Konami was kind of using it as an opportunity to just push the new, the newly released like fiend-based deck. But conceptually, it could be fun. I've been playing a Dark Lord Despia deck, the fairies kind of hybrid. So Dark Lord Despia, you should give it a shot. What Dark just Lord the Despia? Well, the event. If you have a, like a fairy or a fiend deck, you would want to. I just don't have one, man. There's Dark Lord. There's Dark World. I know you played that a little bit IRL. Yeah, but I had to get the cards and like my debit card ain't looking that good right now. Oh wait, I can play a. Uh, Fiend, fiend, fiend. Plunder Patrol. Yeah, you can. All the Plunder Patrols are fiend. That's just hey. Are the ships also fiend too? I, I think they are. I think so. Wait. I, I have to double check yeah. some things. Because it's should. black eyes. Yeah, but it, even it's a fiend. It's a fiend? Mm -hmm. That's a strange fiend, don't you think? Yeah, I remember it, it, it is a fiend. It's like Yada Garasu. But Yada is supposed to be like a yokai. Yeah, but I always just thought Yada would be a winged beast, but it's a fiend, so... Anyways, yeah, it's a cool event. You guys can kind of give it a give it a crack. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say about Master Duel, and it's that they have released the rules for worlds. Oh. Um, you guys can read them in game. I'm not because it's like a lot of specifics. But no, no, re pull it out. This, read them word for word. It's this three versus three team event, and one of the things that I really liked was that um, teams can't use the same like cards between their decks. Right. They have like kind of a maximum of like three copies of a given card and. Stuff like that. So it kind of ensures that three people won't just bring three tier decks. Like every team is just wait, three tier wait, decks. Wait, wait, wait. I think I, I thought I understood, but now I'm a little confused. So you saying if I choose to run, um, let's say, let's say I choose to run Dark World, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm running three of the, um, what's the name of the, of the field spell? Dark World, uh, Gate to the Dark World. Yeah. I'm running three gates. Does that mean no one on my team can run that card? Right. Regardless of whether or not it's banned, just... Well, I mean, if it's like limited, semi-limited and stuff, then that also applies, but... But even if it's at three... If it's at three and you're running three, I believe your team can't. So you guys cannot run the same deck. Yeah, so like literally it, it forces a lot of diversity, including the extra deck, too. And not even the same tech cards. So I think that there is a rule, though where the players can pick a team gets to pick two cards two select cards that are allowed that can like pass the limit so a team could pick like ash blossom and max c for instance that does and that's feel like, like so now all three of the people on our team can like you know use that that feels but, like the right pick but also like you might want to kind of overlap on certain extra deck monsters that are like generic because like so many different decks use barone or use like mm -hmm. maybe abyss dweller access code so it's kind of neat. I think that the rules are cool because it's going to make it a little bit more spectator friendly since like it won't just be tier mirror all <laughs> tier, day tier, long. Tier. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking forward to. However, they decide to like broadcast that at Worlds. Speaking of spectator friendly, I think that's, uh, well, do you have any other small Yu-Gi-Oh news? Because this is kind of the big story of the. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, this is the big story of the day. Which is that Konami's shareholder meeting thing? People have been talking about this for the last week or so. Oh yeah, I, I've I've seen videos. I did not click on this? them. Um, that the Jet, Jet, Konami Japan, they had their share, shareholder meeting and they were talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh card game and the shareholders had some concerns. They did. They had two. Two two concerns. Yeah, do you know what they were? Uh. They were worried 
that the game has not made new Cosmo support. <laughs> I don't know. No, it was, it was about new player retention. So they were concerned about the game not being able to pick up new players and also not being able to, not being spectator friendly. So um, That's fair. That's fair. Well, what do they mean by being spectator friendly? Yeah, so I'm going to actually, I meant to have this pulled up, but I'm going to pull up the video where I talk about it and I kind of had it showed up on screen. But um, So can I just watch this video and not talk about it? I don't think that would be very... No, no, we'll leave the pod running. We'll yeah, leave the pod. I'll just watch it. And uh, Okay, so here's what the uh, shareholder said. And I'll try to like kind of condense this. Regarding Yu-Gi-Oh! content, I'm concerned that two things may have a negative effect impact on growth. The first is that we've not been able to successfully acquire new users. New users who started with Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel also started on Yu-Gi-Oh! OCG Duel Monsters. Yeah, that's what like, the physical game is called there. Due to differences in the environment, etc., the know-how of Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel cannot be used... Um, for some reason, and they may quit. I actually met a player at a Yu-Gi-Oh! OCG tournament recently, and this was the case for them. I, as in, like, the shareholder that's asking the question. Isn't it necessary to continue how to, to consider how to eliminate such cases? It's mm. Now, the next one is in regards to OCG rules and live streams. The second point is the poor appearance of the competitive matches video distribution. Judging from player and online opinions, streaming of official Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments is one-sided. This often leads to a decrease in player motivation and new users to play Yu-Gi-Oh! OCG Duel Monsters. I think it's connected to the difficulty of surrendering. Surrendering is not currently permitted by the official rules. If surrendering is recognized, it will create a strategy to restart for the next game, and the game may be more interesting to watch. I've definitely seen people surrender before. Well, in the OCG, they are not. um, So over there, they can. Yeah, here, obviously, you can. But in the OCG, it's considered very rude to, like, Surrender. They, they can't just allowed to. offer the handshake. So yeah, if I have my combo and I've got gas and like and you'd have no hand traps, you have to sit and deal. And I can combo forever and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um Yeah, so those are the two concerns. What do you think of these two things? Any opinions just off the they're, bat? They're very disparate, but um my number one opinion is yeah, of of course that's gonna be boring. Like Watch one person just one sidedly just mollywopping their opponent and they can't surrender. Like, we don't surrender because we want to be bad sports. We don't surrender because we're like, we just want, we just uh, like hate this game. You surrender so you can move on and keep the, like the action going. Yeah. Uh, so, this is, this is probably the, this is like a, the big topic of the week. So, there's a lot to say about it. Um, I'll actually start, I think, yeah, with the second one about, like, the watchability. Because the new player thing, I've got even more to say. I'm sure you do, too. Um, I think, like, the one-sidedness of Yu-Gi-Oh! is something that has made it... You know, like, when you're playing, you can kind of just tell when someone's won, like, in Yu-Gi-Oh! And from that very moment, it kind of just feels miserable to even let it continue... Like, you know when someone's amassed too much advantage, or you know when someone's kind of just got all the answers, or when someone's, like, just out of options. So, I totally get why they would want to maybe just allow that to, like, let's skip that part and mm-hmm. get kind of back into the action. Um, so, in the OCG, they can't do that. I think that's an easy rule for them to change. But I'd say the bigger concern with that is, like, maybe we need to kind of create a Yu-Gi-Oh! that feels more back and forth. You know what I mean? Rush duels. Yeah, and they don't bring that over here for some reason. So 
I'd like to know how Russell's doing over there, but like I think they need to like Russell's had the right idea. I have a question. That I'm sorry, this is not really. It's only tangentially related. Mm-hmm. Will Rush duels be at Worlds? Um, no, I don't believe it is. Mm. I believe it's just uh, TCG Master Duel and Duel Links. Okay, I was just curious. But yeah, I mean, I think that Rush will have the right idea though. Like of just, you know, each it's kind of a every turn is very. I mean, it's similar to modern Yu Gi Oh because like each turn you get like a, a swath of resources to do right. a lot with. So in that way, it still retains that high octane nature. But like, you don't get so heavily punished by committing your full by committing all your resources. And it's and honestly, you are. It is a good thing to commit as many resources in a turn as you can because you'll be getting roughly those resources back. Yeah. And that can just lead, I think, to more entertaining gameplay. Yeah. But I do. I I've never played Rush Duels outside of the um the game on switch but i am curious like how how a game like that is really played competitively since a lot of what we know of in Yu-Gi-Oh wouldn't translate like if you don't ever lose card advantage well you do you can lose card advantage in a sense i guess like because you if you make the most of what you get each turn you could probably end up with more than your opponent but i haven't played enough rush to really yeah but i mean like just with tcg though like how do they fix this? Because I like this guy. Like, is there a way to like fix this kind of that polarizing mm. one sidedness? It's you. I mean, I feel like the best you can do, which is doable technically, is uh, you change the meta. If I hit this one more time, I think you change the meta game to um, to be more push and pulley. Yeah, I think that. I, I agree. I mean, I, I, and how do we do that? I would say you, it probably, it will take cracking the whip on the ban list a little bit more. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you can just, it's doable. You just have to decide how you want to do it. Yeah. There's a few, are you going to, you want to drop the hammer and just like force the game the way you want it to be? Or do you want to like slowly, slowly like massage the game into what you want it to be? I think the latter would probably be less whiplash for people. Because while I know there's a lot of people, I read comments about these stories all the time. People are like, okay, take the ban list and ban everything, right? Ban mm. all the Omni Gates, ban all the long combos, ban all the floodgates, ban all, like just ban it all and like just burn it all to the ground. And I get it. I think that that if you want like an immediate result, that'd be good. But I actually think that that might be so much whiplash for people right. that are like maybe more committed to what Yu Gi Oh looks like today and maybe they even enjoy how it is played today. I think it would be better to slowly move the game in a more control mid-range style thing where like less like when designing future cards, less omni negates, more interruptions. I think less, you know, this thing searches immediately, more this thing searches in the end phase. Right. Right. Like I think less just you can really rein things in by just make and like Let's kind of, I've said this for a long time, lock archetype, kind of more archetype and type summoning locks and stuff. Like, it's wild to me that I'll just be playing against some of these decks, like Tier on Master Duel, right? And they're not fusion locked. Like, it's crazy that the Tier can make, like, Roll Kalos and Kaleido Heart and then turn around and summon an Abyss Dweller and a Redoer and a Barone. But my hero deck be like, you can only make fusion monsters for the rest of this turn. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think, like, so, because when you let it all just kind of run wild. You end up with the pile decks and the long combos where just 
people end on these boards that have like all the generic little things. So I think that you could moving forward kind of slow things down in that way. And uh, I feel like you can actually look to Yu-Gi-Oh's past to see how it's done. Oh, they're going to call you a boomer. Hey, man. We watch this game turn from its kind of Edison days to the heavy combo version that it is today. Yeah. That wasn't a fast change. Just every every format, people were trying the new like uh, combo decks. They always they always petered out. And we I see got, what you're saying. We got new we had, we got new cards like Maxi that made it even harder for combo decks to play. We start taking some of those cards away through the ban list. We start printing more and more generic things. And over time, Yu-Gi-Oh! just became a combo game. A combo game. And what ends up happening, I think, too, is that when the game gets as power creepy and combo intensive as it does, it means that the answers to said thing also have to get like increasingly powerful. And I think that's where you end up with so much of the polarization effect that, or sorry, divisiveness. There it is. Because <laughs> like either I'm going to, there's this weird thing. And I've been thinking about this a lot in the last week of like Yu-Gi-Oh players are greedy. And here's what I mean by that. Greedy. Like, you know how, I mean, I'm noticing the use, I'm using this word as like, I've been watching a lot of anime and like, I know anime characters are always kind of okay, describe somebody as, well, this is like, it's kind of newer for me, I guess. But like, people will kind of describe another character as greedy. Mm-hmm. Greedy in the sense, not that like, you know, just I, or I guess it is, it's just like, I want everything. I want not just what I'm entitled to or what I'm willing to work for, but more than that. And so I kind of feel like it relates to Yu-Gi-Oh! Because players basically don't like anything that stops them from winning. Nope. Whether it's hand that traps, never did. whether it's blowouts, whether it's floodgates, people don't like it. They don't like to have to kind of adapt to it. They don't like that it exists. They want it banned. But it's interesting because you've got to make these band-aid fixes when things get out of hand. So the card like Dark Ruler No More had to mm-hmm. be created as an answer to combo decks. Nibiru had to be created as an answer to combo decks. And in order to make those cards function, they had to add extremely powerful clauses. Like, Dark Roar No More, your opponent cannot respond to it with monster effects. Right. So you end up with this thing where, like, okay, Alex spent 10 minutes making this crazy board. I played Dark Roar No More, and now he can't even respond to it. And now you're pissed off at me because, like, that's not fair. Like, I did this combo, I did this board, and now this one card turns it all off. But here's the thing. The alternative was, if I didn't have that card, what, you were going to just be nice to me and let me play? No, you weren't. No, you were going to negate, negate every, every damn thing. <laughs> every right? play, and I would have hand-looped you. Yeah, and it just, so it's kind of like, there's, you, you get what I mean? Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! is such a, uh, it's a winner-takes-all game in more ways than one. Because almost every game is winner-takes-all in that the winner wins. However, the idea behind most games, you're supposed to be having fun between yeah. the like beginning and the end of the game. But in Yu-Gi-Oh!, we're also taking the fun. The winner is supposed to actually also have also all take, the fun. And that's exactly, and that's what I mean. It's it's such a greedy experience. Like where, you know, I need to be able to make my... I, I want to get to go first. Mm-hmm. I want to get to play all my combos, all my extenders, get all my searches, summon all my things, and then pass my turn to you and just completely not Stop let you do anything. You don't get to do any thing. of it. I get to negate that. I get to negate that. And thanks to this floodgate like, thing, you can't now, search. Now, some would and, argue 
because both players will get a chance to go first in a match that, you know, now it's your turn to have fun. Yeah, like you'll get to have fun sometimes. And but with yeah. siding, we already know that's not quite how that works. And so, like, you end up in this game where there's these Band-Aid fixes. There's the Dark Ruler No Mores, the Forbidden Droplets, or, you know, the Lightning Storms and Evenlies, right? These huge board breakers that Konami has had to design to be so obscenely powerful because the boards that they're having to deal with are extremely powerful. Like, and the same with the like hand traps, things like Droll and Lockbird, things like Nibiru and D Shifter, Lancia given in a given format that like can basically end your turn, like on a dime. They have to be that strong because anything weaker doesn't make enough of a dent. Like meta decks these days, one Ash Blossom ain't cutting it. Yeah. You ask something one like, ash, huh? go ahead and just scoop, bro. Yeah. Like if that's all you ask one Ash, huh? Like, uh, like you know what I mean? Game. And, and I'm not, and it's weird because I guess if you say that, people will think that, like, you're, I'm, they're like, oh, like, Paul, you're in favor of D Shifter. You're in favor of these broken things that it's stopping turns. It's so uninteractive, unfair. No, it's just that, like, if I didn't D Shifter someone, or if I didn't get to Nibiru someone, or if I didn't droll you to stop you from searching, you were going to make a board that was going to not allow me to do anything. And there's this weird That's not true, war. Paul, because when I was playing Vendreds against your Exo Sisters and you D Shiftered me, it's like, what was I going to do? I'm playing Vendreds, Paul. Yeah. You were going to be able to play. Here's the thing, actually. We're getting to that in this rant. <laughs> I'm, I mean, this turned into a rant now because we're, get, we're getting to that because what you point out is important. It's very important. Okay. Next thing, though, is the floodgates where I hate floodgates to death. I think stupid shit like there can be only one and like summon limit and rivalry and skill drain and all that stuff. Mystic mind. It's all very annoying. I totally get it. And These we can agree Zombie World is not a floodgate, right? I think Zombie World is actually all right. Okay. Like, I think it's, it's reasonable. Good, good. But here's the thing. It's like these obnoxious floodgates, no one likes it when that gets flipped on you. But you know what? It's like you like weren't going to let the, like, it. Just, I don't know. And like, so Yu-Gi-Oh has to have these Band-Aid fixes on top of Band-Aid fixes on top mm. of Band-Aid fixes because no one, everyone's greedy and everybody wants to just kind of get their way completely. And then, like, these floodgates show up, and people are like, oh, well, I don't want to have to main deck spell and trap me. We'll get rid of Mystic Mind. They should just ban it for me instead. And, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I was. And, and so it's like, I know, and I get it. I don't like Mystic Mind. But I'm just saying it's like, I don't want to run the spell and trap removal. Why? Because it dilutes my combos. It means my combos are less consistent. And my combos got to be perfectly consistent, Alec. I have to get everything I gas, want. Gas, 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 gas. Have my cake, eat it too. It's, I got to have the everything. gas cake. Yeah. And, like, you know, I, and it cannot be anything less. I cannot, Shifter should be banned because it stops me from playing. Nibiru should be banned. Dark Ruler should be banned. All the Floodgates should be banned too. And also though, I don't want my opponent to be able to go first and win the dice roll and make, you know, Barone and like Borlode Savage and Borland Dragon and Abyss Dweller and all this stuff. All these cards should be banned for me. Yeah, they should be banned when I'm not using them. But if I'm using them, it's a little different. A little different then. Yeah, no, then it's okay. I'm just using them because I have to. Like, I'm just using the, the best cards that Konami has allowed me to use. I don't see what the problem is. So, now that brings me to the Vendred thing. Because you know what happens when you've got this game full of Band-Aid fixes and obnoxiously strong cards? Oh, you know, don't you? I do. You do. It steamrolls everything that is not at the apex of strength in this game. Mm. You have the stage. Go ahead. So, as uh, Team APS's resident casual who loves playing everything badly, even I play good decks badly, I play bad decks badly. I've had a horrible time just trying to play friendlies because even in non-sided games, 
I'll just get sl- I'll be trying to like learn a new deck and I'll get slammed by a Nibiru, slammed by Dark Ruler, slammed by D Shifter. And it's like so when was so how am I going to learn how to play this deck when all of my opponents and it's not their fault. They're just dropping these huge sacky cards on me that my deck was literally not designed to be able to play with or around. I remember I was playing a game with Larry. I forget what deck I was running. It was uh maybe Plunder Patrol. It might have been Plunder. It was something not all that strong. And Larry wasn't playing anything. I think it was playing Dark Magician. And uh, I made my board. It wasn't. I didn't. It didn't have like three or four negates. It was enough cards to get started. And at the end of my turn, he drops Nibiru on me. And I'm just like, so. That that's was, where the Yu-Gi-Oh ends. That, like, I have like I have one card in hand. He he has Nibiru in my board, and now he gets to start. And I'm like. And that's where the fun ends. That's the, Then that is my problem with these cards is, like, they, they drain. So here's the thing about Nibiru. It's pretty strong. It's pretty obnoxious. But you know what? Most meta decks now will make Opelosa before by their fifth summon, or they'll make Barone by their fifth summon. But you know what deck can't make Opelosa or Barone by its fifth summon? Plunder Patrol. Why? Because it's balanced. Why? Because it locks you into Fiend summons or Water summons or something like that. They have, they right? have a lot of ways of locking you. Which many, which like I think three. is ha- totally healthy, totally balanced, and totally fine. There's a lot of lower tier decks that are in the same boat, no pun intended, where like ah, they, ah. you know, they just, they kind of do their thing. It's modestly powered. And then they get kind of like type locked or something. And they can't play through Nibiru. They can't, like when Nibiru happens, most of these like tier three decks just can't do anything about it. And so a meta deck can just make its negation by the time Nibiru would be relevant. And they keep on moving, right? Yeah. And at the top level of the game, these cards are fine. Uh, good, good players with good decks have planned for it. And this is something that they're, they're ready for. Yeah, they have their negations ready. They have like their preparations, their sequencing. But it it dis, it just dismantles casual Yu-Gi-Oh to a point where we like in our just kind of local like when we're playing just for fun, we just don't play the hand traps and just don't play like I we just do not build our decks with these obnoxious cards. But the thing with Yu-Gi-Oh is you can't expect that out of everybody. Nope. I mean, everyone's just playing the cards as they as they get them as Konami allows them to. Because the thing is like when Larry is playing Nibiru or I'm just using Larry here. It could be anyway. Like, when your friend uses Nibiru against your tier 4 deck, they're not doing it like they have to have that Nibiru in their deck because maybe they're planning on going to locals later that day. And you don't want to show up where, to locals without hand traps. Yeah, where you got to have it just to kind of deal with locals. But when it comes to like playing with your friends, you it's just it all breaks down so fast. It's too much trouble to like keep modding your deck. Every time you sit down across from someone to try and like match up with what type of Yu-Gi-Oh they're playing, it's like, oh, okay, he's playing meta Yu-Gi-Oh. I'll put all my stuff back in. Oh, wait, wait, he's playing like tier two Yu-Gi-Oh. I'll play. The- oh, wait, he's a scrubby casual. Okay, I'll, I'll do this instead. That's a lot of effort. Yeah, and it sucks that Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't really have like maybe formats or something where these power levels could be better reined in. Speed duels. Yeah, which I mean, you know, Konami doesn't really hardly want that to exist. But like, I think that that's. That is, like, where I, my, my mind just fries with all of this because it's, like, Band-Aid solution after Band-Aid solution after Band-Aid solution for this game that's, like, getting so much faster and so much more power creepy. And as the Band-Aids come out, the low-tier decks can't keep up. And then that level of fun is, like, now just it's, it disappears. And then I've had, like, the same complaint about, like, you know, a lot of structure decks and things. They come out, and I'm, like, 
this is a really cool structure deck, but where the hell are you supposed to play it? Leave Crystal Beast alone. And well, I'm talking I know that's one what of you're my favorite about. ones is like like say freezing chains or like cyber darks or whatever. Like they're fun structures. They're well made. They're pretty balanced. But like if you go to locals and they get evenly matched, well Well, it's Paul, this is simple. You play cyber darks against other structure decks. Yeah. In the structure deck format that Konami supports. They used to do those structure deck tournaments. Do them more. <laughs> so, I don't know. Now, I listen, I know I'm getting a little bit you know, hot under the collar here. He's salty, yeah. Because this, this stuff, let's bring it back to what the shareholder said. This is the sort of thing that can really make these games look extremely one-sided. And it can make them just so unpleasant when a turn has to end because of a, a, a single card or like a person staring down a board of things. I see why somebody would just be like, okay, Yu-Gi-Oh! just doesn't look fun. Like, okay, well, I guess I, this person just loses, huh? I mean, if you win, you get to have fun. The problem is if you're a beginner, you're probably not winning. Yeah. You know, it makes me think, because, guys, I've been playing a lot of Street Fighter Six, and uh, every time a new Street Fighter comes out, I pretty much approach it as a brand-new beginner. I drop all of my habits and whatnot from previous games, and I start over. Something that's interesting, uh, when you first start a fighting game, one of the first things you have to accept is that you are you're going to lose. You're going to lose over and over and over again until you learn. But fighting games have rules to them. It's called frames and data. You're in a fighting game. Yeah, you can get perfect. You can you can get perfected by an opponent who does all the damage and you do none. However. That that can only happen if you literally miss your turns. Every time your opponent presses a button, there's data attached to it. You will get a turn to attack back, and how you attack can just can dictate how that game goes. You can still have fun in a fighting game and lose. Oftentimes, that's how it works. You and your opponent are doing your best to win, and you have fun doing that, and then someone wins or loses. If you're not having fun at all, you're just not going to last. Yu-Gi-Oh! is a type of game right now where there isn't a, there are no turns, really. The, you, the game gets dictated on those first two turns. Yeah. And it's, that's it. It's like, it's to kind of, I guess, continue your analogy, in Yu-Gi-Oh! there is like a single chance. Like, a, you get one chance, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you win the dice roll and you're playing a combo deck and you you go nuts, I get one chance to stop you. And that one chance is me either drawing the blowout card or drawing these hand traps or whatever it is. And if it resolves, then I get to play back. If it doesn't, that is the game. I guess in fine game terminology, that would be a touch of death. Yeah, and it can really feel that way. And I think, like... With Yu-Gi-Oh, they kind of are discussing this onboarding thing and, like, getting new people and retaining them. Yu-Gi-Oh can just be so intense on, on first on first learn, we'll say, because, like, there's it's wild to me when I play other card games and, like, the way that the first turn starts in so many other card games is, like, you put one creature down and, like, one energy or land or whatever the, down um... and, you're, and, and your first turn is over. That reminds me a lot of uh, 
you know, of like how like a chess game starts. Mm-hmm. The first few moves in chess are just set up. You're literally just putting your guys in formation. You and your opponent aren't even really attacking each other yet. You're just getting in formation. And once you've made your formation and then you castle and your opponent castles, presumably if that's how you're playing it, now the game begins. Yeah. Unlike turn four or five. And my hot take is this. Yu-Gi-Oh's rules are very, like, they're very clean. They work. They're very easy to understand. Like, shockingly so. I was I actually went and read the rule book myself last night. The full PDF of, like, the official rule book. This man got some time on his Because I've been thinking about this, dude. I, I, and I have, and I was like, okay, these rules actually make perfect sense. Like, there might be a lot of them, but they make perfect sense. It's all very, like, you know, like, it, it works. It makes sense. But I think the real issue comes in when, like, you go to the card shop and your first game is, like, you, you know, lose the die roll and they blast you for it. Like, there's so many rules being blasted at you all in one turn immediately. Because it's like, okay, I read the rule book and it says, like, Xyz summon is when, like, you have two monsters at the same level, you overlay them, and you make an Xyz monster. And maybe that would be where you end your turn. Huh? No, because when you go to locals, someone's going to go link, link again, link, synchro, search, synchro, special, synchro, exes, overlay, attach, detach, like whatever, search, search, search. And they're doing everything. And then also anytime anything resolves, oh, no, the game state's not open. I have three things that have to go on this chain. Chain link one, chain link two, chain link three. Oh, and you thought that like your card could maybe stop my card from doing that. Well, it could. But see, the thing is, my monster's chain link two, but there's this chain link three thing. So it chain blocks it. Chain blocking. They didn't say that in the rule book. Yeah, well, it exists, bitch. And, like, you have to just keep, like, and and so then their turn finally ends. And you, and here's the thing. While this turn is going on, you're trying to maybe, like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can read their cards and see what's going on. No, because there's, like, a paragraph of text. And also, it doesn't actually matter what the monster does. It's already in the grave now. It's gotten yeah, linked it, away. It, it already did what it did. It did what it did. Yeah. It got searched. It's linked away now. And while you're reading that, anyways, I'm sending these two to the grave to summon this next thing and get its effect. And so finally this turn ends and, like, they have, like, four different monsters in the field, right? And this one negates something. This one negates something. This is a Abyss Dweller says you can't do this. And then, like, whatever. And and it's like you have to pick them all up and read them. Oh, and this one can't be targeted. And it, it's so crazy. And here's the thing. If you've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! forever, you know what that stuff means and you get it. And you've ex- you expected it, really. You expected it. And maybe you've even built your deck to plan around it. But I'm, I think people have lost their ability to put themselves, some people, not all people, like some people have lost kind of the ability to put themselves in the shoes of a new person. It's not the rules that are confusing. It's that the turn will blast those rules at you, mix them up, like yeah. jumble up and throw it at you 20 times. And, and let's not forget how many ways we have to circumvent. Completely the cheat the rules. Like I've seen so many uh, fusion monsters special summon from the extra deck, ignoring the summoning conditions. Yeah, they just summon those. Oh, yeah, here's uh, how double A Zeus. Yeah, here's how an Xyz monster works. But also there's this archetype that just skips it. There here's how a Link summon works. But also there's this archetype that just kind of skips it. Like, we we have so many ways I can think on your turn. circumventing the things we said that you have to do. And it's just a normal part of the game. That's right, I can synchro summon in your turn. It's like, Did you know that I can synchro on your turn? I mean, we can and do, then, then we can do almost decreases everything. This level, and this decreases this level, and this is treated as a tuner this turn. It's not a tuner, but it's treated as one. And this synchro can be made by just sending two monsters with these levels. They don't have to have that tuner because it's like a special thing. 
It just, it just works that way. I always love that Sword Soul just can make a token that is a tuner. That's the proper level yeah. to make their synchro. And it's so it's such a it's very crazy and. People hear this and they think like, okay, you're being a Yugi boomer. I don't want to go back to caveman Yu-Gi-Oh, but I think like I actually stuff, do enjoy caveman Yu-Gi-Oh. It's got its charm, to be clear. But I think that like people are on the right track with this stuff like Edison. Like they really are. Like where you're it's just it's not so overwhelming. So I I get it. I mean, like I I I, I was ready for this podcast. I was like, I'm I'm going in. Like I I get what these people are saying because it doesn't like Here's the, I keep saying, here's a real problem. Here's the problem on top of it all. is like people who enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh right now, there's a lot to enjoy with modern Yu-Gi-Oh. It's high octane. It has its type of interactivity. And there's a lot of fun in like manipulating those intricacies, making the chain blocks and kind of doing right. that. It is fun. I get like an unhealthy amount of satisfaction in doing that to my opponents in Diamond Rank or something in Master Duel. He does, yeah. But the thing is, like, it's so easy to kind of insulate yourself from new player experience when you're when you're only used to like these long combos and stuff because it doesn't matter how good you are if if little Jimmy doesn't come back to the card shop to play again, then then like you've lost you have lost a Yu-Gi-Oh player. And you're not going to be playing this game forever. Not all of us. Maybe Man, a few will be in the shoot. nursing home. <laughs> Look, yeah, like, y'all, I'm 30. And I did not expect Yu-Gi-Oh to last this long. <laughs> yeah, and so the thing is, like, some of us will be in these nursing homes playing Yu-Gi-Oh, right? But a lot of us won't because people have to move on. They Some people have, like, lives, families, all this stuff, school, work, whatever. And when they're not playing, but you're not getting any, like, kids or teenagers at the card shop because they've just been like, this game is too fucking much, then... Then, I mean, like, what will you have? I mean, look, if I can play Minecraft or Yu-Gi-Oh, hmm. Yeah, that's how a lot of kids, that's going to be the decision, right? So, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh and Minecraft. I think that's a collab that needs to happen. All right, so I know I ruffled, just ruffled some feathers. Um, Jimmies are sufficiently Yeah, wrestled. I know, because there are people who, like, they just think, like, Paul, shut the fuck up, right? You were just complaining and whining, and you don't know what the hell you're talking about, you stupid Yugi Boomer. But, I, I mean, I think that... Money match him, then. But but here's the thing, man. The shareholders have are concerned about it. So, I mean... The shareholders are So, Konami's are gonna have to concerned. do something. I don't know what, but... They're gonna have to do something. I love this game. I, I want to see it succeed. I'm just, like, they gotta figure something out if they want it to. So... Sorry, you, you, you can have the mic. What are your... Sorry. I don't even know. We don't... I don't even remember... What we were talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, here's what Konami's president said back. And uh, there's not as much to talk about with it because it's kind of corporate speak. So Some legalese. Um, yeah, let's find it. Thank you very much for your valuable opinion. I found it extremely regrettable that players who started playing the Yu-Gi-Oh card game were not able to do so for long. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Hmm? Uh, if I, that actually triggered what I was going to say uh, at the beginning. Um... It's, I found it interesting they're so focused on people being onboarded through Master Duel. When, um, I think initially when Master Duel was announced, we thought this would be a great vehicle for introducing people to the game. Then we got Master Duel and we realized that it was very different from our TCG experience where we already could tell that it was going to be a, there's a hard transition from Master Duel to the TCG because of the card pulls and just the way we play the game. It seems that they're having the same problem in Japan, even though... 
in my opinion, it should be much closer to their experience than ours. So hold that thought. Holding. Because I, I, I have something to say about All that. Right, it's I'm just going to finish this little right quote. Here. We've been revising the forbidden limited list as well as changing the rules over a certain period of time. Regarding your opinion about our inability to attract new users, we take that feedback very seriously. As such, we'll continue to review the rules, including tournament rules, to make sure more customers can enjoy the game. We will continue to focus on playing environments that will allow more players to enjoy the game for a longer period of time. In addition, not only do we want you to be more enjoyable to play, but there's also that valuable perspective that enjoyable to watch is a very important subject that's been relevant for several years. I think your opinion is absolutely correct. I'll convey it to our company. Make the proper considerations for the next live stream. The next World Championship is going to be held in Japan for the first time in four years. We have plans of live streaming it as such. I hope you will look forward to it. So, um, it's kind of a typical corporate answer, right? Like, yeah. you know, just it's safe. I think he's being genuine in that, like, you know, he can't really commit to anything right then and there. But it is nice to know that Konami is aware of these issues. Back to what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think that there might be a move? To make Master Duel more like the TC or like the card game, the physical card game, or will there be a move to make the physical card game more like Master Duel? I don't know how you would do that. Well, we know that these are different formats. They know Master Duel works. There, you could. There could be an idea of removing the side deck. Going to best of ones in the actual master oh, oh game. Oh goodness, but I think they would hate that. Though. But we would hate it. But maybe a new a new master duel player might like it. Well, oof. I think the best that they're probably going to get is, I would like to see master duel look closer to the TCG, at least as an option. Even if best of one is kind of the default way to play, I think that having the option of side decking and the option of best of three in like maybe some specific mode could be good. And then there's that card pool problem. And there's actually not an easy way to satisfy this. Because and that it, one's, yeah, that one's hard. Well, the re- and it gets bad because it's like literally a territorial thing. Yeah. Like even if Master Duel was like one-to-one on par with like the TCG, like the day Duel's Nexus comes out, all those cards are also in Master Duel on day one and like all that. Still the OCG is ahead of the TCG. So that means the you Japanese also think, have still been you gotta waiting. get like parity with those two things. And then you can maybe make Master Duel match that. And then you could like So in theory, it could all be like synchronized. But I st- I think you're talking from the perspective of a TCG player who's just so used to the way that we do things. Yeah, see maybe you're like for a brand new Master Duel player where they have no problem with Master Duel's format, they're pro- like they can look at the TCG and wonder, like, why are we playing these extra games? Yeah. Why don't, and there are 15 cards. Like, I, don't. I think uh, that's true. So when I read that, I kind of understood it to also maybe be that it's a little. So I think that's totally, that could just also be the case. Is like the extra complexity in side decking and the, all that. But also, I thought it might just be that Master Duel automates a lot of it for you. And it also has some convenience features. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's... By the way, the convenience features in Master Duel, A1. Good job, Konami. They are really helpful. Marking the Imperm column was a win. Yeah. That's I, a w I think that's a good thing. That is a W. But also, the they do check marks beside monster effects. So you can see, like, mm-hmm. of each of these effects, what has been activated this turn and what hasn't. And that's so important for, like, tier... Where they're shuffling back in the deck and going everywhere through the grave, you can quickly see, okay, Merley's used her effect, Sheeran's used her effect, Habness has not fused. 
So like, you know, that helps. And then like when you use those effects, they show up on screen. Like all of those things that kind of help you visualize and keep track. Beautiful A1. A1. A1 steak sauce. But here's the problem. You're in the card shop. None of it is kept track of for you. Nope. The game state can get a lot crazier, a lot faster. Your you opponent grabs physically... a highlighter, starts highlighting their cars as the I game mean, goes. And, and Yu-Gi-Oh, it's very strict about like note taking. Like you can note take mandatory things, mm-hmm. but even then, like there's certain stuff that you can't. And Master Duel makes it much more. So I think like maybe a person might play Master Duel and get used to kind of that automation, and then when they are tasked with playing, yeah, they're remembering that stuff yourself. It's a lot harder. Now, I'll play devil's advocate and say, well, get good. That's your responsibility. Yeah, well, right? Like, you it's noob. not, you know, that's not Konami's fault or Yu-Gi-Oh's fault. You just have to remember. And that's valid, but, I mean, you know, it sounds, again, if it is causing an actual effect on players in real life and shareholders have a concern, then it's going to be Konami's problem to fix. So, uh, eh. Sorry, I'm, I'm exhausted now. I, just, I feel like uh, <laughs> now he's tired, y'all. Okay, we have a few stories. Do you have any stories for the day? I've got a few on a couple of things. Uh, I guess that's all the Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Yeah, that's that's all the Yu-Gi-Oh. We spent over an hour on like, that. Yu-Gi-Oh. Might be all the though. I, actually, I'm not gonna lie. I don't really have any card game stories. Okay, I yeah, mine aren't card. Mine aren't very card gamey. It's some fun, some fun, quick stuff. Um, what you can go first if you want. If you got something. All, all I have is my one, really. Okay, well, here's one. Look, guys, I was out of town. Leave me alone. You good? It's cool because uh, here's some stuff about Comic-Con. Comic-Con is getting an official cruise for the ultimate fan adventure. I don't know. Like, when you, you say cruise, like cruise ship? like Yeah, a cruise. Like, Comic-Con International has announced its partnership with a cruise company for a 2025 fan adventure on the high seas. Ahead of the San Diego event, the company uh, detailed its partnership with Entertainment Cruise Productions for Comic-Con The Cruise, a five-day extravaganza that will start at an undetermined date sometime in 2025. Travelers will begin their cruise on the Royal Caribbean's Serenade of the Seas in Tampa, Florida, which will conclude in Cosmo, Mexico. Cosmo? Yeah. Uh, at the time of writing, it's unknown what talent will attend, but the ag- event's agenda seems jam-packed. So, um... Yeah, there's just going to be lots of events, lots of sort of celebrity people. Currently, the cruise costs $990 per person with all events and meals included. Would you okay. go on something like this? All right. Um, well, first, let me say uh, that does sound like it sounds like a, a fun idea. It does sound like a cool thing. Would I go? Um, no. Why not? Uh, I honestly can't imagine. Uh, well, this is one of the worst hells that I can honestly imagine being trapped on a floating piece of metal with a bunch of nerds. Wow. But you're a nerd. You don't want to be the other rest of the nerds. Uh, someone, I, don't know. I, I just, I, I get a bad feeling. Cause I mean, you've, you, have you ever like taken a whiff inside of a convention? I know. Like, I don't know. Like on paper, this sounds great. I don't know if I really want to be trapped on a boat with like a thousand other nerds. Well, listen, here's what you're going to need to do on said boat. An unparalleled lineup of talent performing special shows every night and interacting with guests in out of the ordinary events. 
stars and icons joining guests in an array of activities such as talent-hosted tastings, okay, trivia sessions, live demonstrations, This and mostly more. just sounds like cruise ship fair, but... Theme night parties and cosplay events, along with the ultimate party band and DJs, competitive video and tabletop gaming, next-level trivia contests, and more. Fun and unique vendors, lively group panels and candid Q&A sessions, meet and greets, autograph and photograph sessions. That's what you're going to get to. You're, you're missing out on that, Alan. You know, 990 bucks. It's to me, it just feels like I'd be trapped inside of a convention hall for like days on the sea <laughs> in the in the in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Um, and once again, have you ever just taken a whiff inside of a convention hall? So, like, this sounds like the sort of thing that might be fun. Like, I was surprised that the cost was like I actually should actually cost more. Is that a surprise? 990 is not as prohibitive as I would have expected. I guess the prohibition Wh- will take place in like the limited ticket sales. I mean, it must be, this must be a very large cruise ship, like one of those huge ones. That or they're just not going to have very many. But then it's like, they can't limit it like they charge too more much. if it was more limited. Yeah, I feel like they can't limit it too much because like, if it's about kind of having these guest stars and Q and A's and all this stuff, like I think they would want to have a a lot of people. Like Paul, imagine this. Imagine Anime Expo, right? Oh dear lord! On no. a ship? No, 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 no. You can't no, no, leave, no, no, no. and Never. all the things you want to go to, there's a line. Yeah. See, that's why I think they'll have to limit some of it. Like, there's only going to be like so many tickets for this. I don't know how many, maybe a few hundred or something. I don't know, but like. It, just, it feels like you can't possibly. I feel like it's only a few hundred you can cause. You can charge more. I charge into the thousands at that point. Yeah. The, so the price surprises me, but um, would I go? I have to see how the first one goes. I wouldn't want to be trapped in a bunch of nerds. I think I would want to see how the first one goes, and then if if, if people say the first one's enjoyable, maybe I would try to go the following year or something. You know what I would do though. Hmm. Dual cruise. I'd go to that. It'll be a, it's a cruise to like, uh, let's say to Cozumel, right? Mm-hmm. And every, it's just a long, grueling tournament. Gorilla style. You, If you walk up to someone at the cruise ship, you have to duel immediately. And then you, you take the loser star chips. Once you drop to zero star chips, they kick you off the boat. What if the boat was like the boat to Duelist Kingdom? Exactly. So like you're on the boat for five days, and then when you get to the location, it's like Duelist Kingdom. No, no, no. Because once you reach the location, there's only one person left on the boat. Everyone has been kicked off. Oh, it's like a survival. Yep. Everyone Duel, else has been sent duelist. off in their tiny little like. What's waiting for you at the island? Like money, cards. A card. The only two things that matter in Yu-Gi-Oh. Mr. Konami himself. Yeah, he's there waiting to let you design a card. Absolute power. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think that actually sounds in its own way a little bit more. It's like, I guess as I've gotten a little bit like older and stuff, I am finding that there's more joy in like bespoke events compared to like general ones. Because I think about like, you know, we went to Anime Expo a couple weeks back and it was so overwhelmingly large that you can't really even do all that much. Yeah. So I find that it actually in that way makes me better appreciate maybe the idea of a YCS where it's like a, a dedicated to the the one thing you want to right. go here for compared to like, all right, it's going to be this big Comic-Con cruise and it's just kind of a little of everything. And not say there isn't value in that, but just that 
I think I might prefer the Yu-Gi-Oh idea. Yeah. It, it's more it's more limited. And I, I can deal with being trapped on a boat full of Yu-Gi-Oh players. Yes, they're still nerds. But at least then, the focus is something I'm so interested in, it makes up for it. But like a comic convention, which I love, every I love everything nerdy. I don't love it enough to be surrounded by nerds. All of it. Mm. Yu-Gi-Oh, I do love that much. So here's another story. Um, trading card game market grows strong in China, along with animation, comics, and games. For many Chinese people, this favorite pastime has now become a booming business. Despite being considered a niche market, the trading card game market grows strong in China. So it was valued at what is the U.S. equivalent of $117.62 million in 2022. That's a lot of money. With a massive production of 287.67 million cards, featuring famous IPs like Magic and Wizards, Pokemon, One Piece, and Digimon Adventure. Wait, do they have Yu-Gi-Oh? I don't know. I don't think Yu-Gi-Oh's in China. Is my understanding, and I actually didn't have to look that up. I don't think I've ever seen. You know, what? I don't think I've ever seen a Chinese card. Yeah, so maybe that'll change. But anyways, um, one of the world's largest grading companies, U.S.-based PSA, actually threw a celebratory party for their official Chinese partners from um, trading card games industry and collectors last Friday at Columbia Circle in Shanghai. Oh, okay, so. PSA announced their official operation in Shanghai, in China. So now, like, Chinese... So PSA is there because the card game business is booming over there. Yeah, Chinese players can now, I guess, have... Or just collectors, really, can have cards graded. So they have Pokemon, Magic, and even Digimon there. I wonder why they don't have Yu-Gi-Oh! Might have been something, some choice in Konami's end. I'm not really sure. Um, PSA used to take submissions and send them to the U.S., with the rapid market growth, the company hopes to get local operation up and running as soon as possible to adapt to China's trading card games market, as well as to make it more convenient for Chinese collectors. Interesting. So, I just thought this was kind of a neat story because I wasn't really aware that China was not a huge spot for trading cards. I guess it makes sense because I guess if some like aren't published there, then that's a Yeah, thing, I mean, but. and then the Chinese government isn't always the most uh, accepting of uh, different IPs. Yeah, I know there's some degree of sort of censorship and stuff. It's always kind of funny. You'll see, like, when this movie released in China, they had to, like... They had to change a bunch of change things. Change a lot of things or, like, remove a scene that had, you know, gay people or something, you know, anything like that. So um, they're not too big on those progressive ideals. Oh, I would never call Yu-Gi-Oh progressive. I would call it a net neutral. Yeah, I think Yu-Gi-Oh is a kind of slow. I, I don't think Yu-Gi-Oh really, like stands for anything. I mean, I guess the most I can say about Yu-Gi-Oh is that like there's probably I mean, you know, if you're still kind of into the dark magic summoning thing, like my kid can't play this. Why? There's no dark magic in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, definitely not. I played with an arch- there was an archetypist the other day of like little cat creature things. You know, when you mention that, I actually do think that Yu-Gi-Oh's done a pretty good job of like I don't know if it's on purpose, but, like, just distancing itself from just sort of being a wizard's magic and dragons thing to more, like, it's just plunder patrol and, like, you know, And, again, those new illusion else. monsters. So. Yeah, they're, yeah, they are basically Look a little stuff. demonic. But, yeah, know. like, there's so much stuff now, it's just, like, trap tricks, right? That's a whole other problem. <laughs> yeah, like, there's all these other things. So, um... Yeah, but shout out to China. I think that's cool, you know, for people to be able to get their trading cards, get them graded. 
collect them, sell them. I mean, China is a it's a very large market for almost anything. If you can get if you can get in there and get your market share, that's really great. It's it is so strange that Yu-Gi-Oh isn't like pushing into that market. Unless maybe they do have Yu-Gi-Oh over there, but it's like cause yeah, I know I'm we gonna, have. I'm curious. Aren't there? About this. There's like the Asian Yu-Gi-Oh cards is that are printed Yu-Gi-Oh? like English, right? Yeah, I'm looking this up actually right now because I don't know. Is Yu-Gi-Oh in China? Okay, it is an official distribution region. They didn't mention it in the article. Oh, okay. So this, so it's gonna not mention Yu-Gi-Oh. Now they also say that Taiwan has a large um, Yu-Gi-Oh scene. I believe I've heard that before. So, and I think China will be China got Yu-Gi-Oh organized play apparently in 2020. Okay. So, so yeah, it, it's it really, there. It's, yeah, it, it hasn't been that long, but it's there. It's yeah. There. Okay. Um, Cool. That's that's great. I, you know, the more people that can play Yu-Gi-Oh, the better. Like for sure. I I just was not. I, I guess I just, you don't hear a lot about it. I didn't. I didn't know anything about but, it. Um. Okay. Cool. Um. Any other stories from you? Well, as usual, I did have to bring an AI-based story. Did ya? Got to bring some AI to the pod. Right. So this story, um. Elon Musk wants to create a super intelligent AI because he thinks a smarter AI is less likely to wipe out humanity. What does he mean by that? <clears throat> Let's find out. Elon Musk was a co-founder of OpenAI, the maker of ChatGPT. Yeah, I Before, doesn't like them too much now, but... That sounds like the case for a lot of things with him. Before pulling out of the company because of conf- conflicts with the CEO, Sam Altman, and the board. Now Musk claims that his own AI venture, XAI, or I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce that, but I think it's XAI, yeah, think will so. rival OpenAI in achieving the lofty goal of artificial superintelligence. Right. In a nearly two-hour-long Twitter Spaces talk on Friday, the world's richest man discussed his company's goal of creating an AGI Artificial general intelligence, meaning an AI that is at least as smart as a human. And this this next part is a quote. The overarching goal of XAI is to build a good AGI with the overarching purpose of just trying to understand the universe, Musk said. The The safest way to build an AI is actually to make one that is maximally curious and truth seeking. That terrifies me. Um, mm-hmm. When I think of AIs that have an insatiable curiosity, uh, and many DC Comics fans might know where I'm going with this, that just sounds like Brainiac. What is Brainiac? Brainiac is a character in DC Comics. He's typically a Superman villain, but he's, he's such a dangerous character. He tends to be a problem for everybody. Okay. But Brainiac has this whole thing about um, consuming and controlling everything. And in many continuities, tries to assimilate the whole world into its own, the whole universe into his own being. If you make if you make something that's infinitely curious, I doesn't that doesn't really sound safe to me because that means it can never be satiated. Always wants more. I wonder what more would be. That's the great question. Humans yeah. we're limited, right? Yeah, we are limited in what we can desire. Because there's only so much we can do. But you want to design an entity that is not human that has more desire than us. I'm going to be honest. With stuff like this, like, 
This is not, I mean, you know, I know some people are really big fans of Elon Musk. I'm not particularly, but, you know, I, I don't hate the you guy. hate anything, him. Oh, okay. But it's just more like, when I hear stuff like this, um, I guess I just find myself thinking, it, it always sounds like just a bid for, like, data and marketing and stuff. Like, it, it it's nice, fancy words. Like, we're going to find, you know, just the truth about the universe and all mm-hmm. that. It sounds grand and fun, but, like, all this shit wants is your data. Like, that, that's what it comes down to. Advertising, data, like... But what happens when they have enough of our marketing data and they want more? And I think, I don't even know, like... It, so, A, I think... So, like, first of all, I think it's just going to be a product to be sold, right? You can claim all you want that it's, like, looking to seek, you know, find the meaning of life and the nature of the universe and all that stuff, but you're going to have to pay, like, 20 bucks a month or something like there's gonna be a subscription See, i think you're still thinking of this as, as a, a tool that and... you get to use oh okay oh okay i see what you're saying this is like so he's saying it's more if you because intelligence isn't something you can own at some point right at some point if you make something so intelligent it it would be foolish to think it has no will of its own yeah i mean so what is then what is like what is he trying to do with it that it's more, it's so, it's so theoretical. That's the funny yeah, part like about I don't, it. They just, in a weird way, Elon Musk and his ilk just want to make something because they think they can, and yeah. it will be interesting to do it. But they don't want to have any say. They don't want to have any culpability or responsibility for what their creation may do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's saying. Like he's trying to do with this sort of thing. It's just like when I hear. I guess words like that, I'm just like, like, what is, I don't know. It, I guess when I see these things, it's like, I know it's a product. Like, I know it's going to be a product, like a product service sort of thing. And if it isn't, then I guess they don't have to tell anyone about it. They can just run it in their little lab alone. But like, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I have my, my doubts about just the, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if I trust. You know what I mean? Like, what are they talking about? I don't even know if they truly know what they're talking about. Because this is my thing. They keep using this word super intelligent. Yeah. People are barely intelligent. Yeah. Elon Musk, as smart as he is, sounds dumb like 25% of the time. So I don't even think he's super intelligent. So, but what you want to make is super intelligent. What you want to make is smarter than us. How is that a good idea? Oh, so you don't think... Like, you yeah. look how we deal with things that we think are dumber than us. Animals, plants, insects. Yeah, that's true. We crush ants without a second thought because we believe they are lower life forms than us. But you want to create what you would essentially be a higher life us. form. You know, it's it's interesting because I've found myself less and less with the whole AI thing. Less concerned that it's going to, like, kill us all and more concerned that it's just going to, like, be the end of us in terms of, like, willingness to live. Where, like, maybe that's a bit extreme. Here's what I mean. So, you know, like, in movies like iRobot, there's kind of this idea that these AI are going to, like, become completely sentient and, like, murder us all. And I'm not saying that's off the table. Could happen, too. But I, I almost feel like it's more like, you know, the example I always make of just AI is it dumbs the world down. 
okay, I need search results from Google. And it'll just like condense it all for me. In fact, I just got added to that Google barred beta thing where like on Google search now, mm -hmm. if I type in a query, it will just generate a response for me on top before all before I see any search results. It will like have an AI generated just response based on the top few results and synthesize and it'll tell me this, which is convenient and cool and can save me time. But I think that the more and more we do that, like, you know, AI art and AI this and AI that, like we are less and less willing to communicate with each other, mm -hmm. less and less willing to like think for ourselves. I don't want to write it. I'll have a chat GBT write it for me. I don't want to like think of this. I'll have it think of it for me. I don't want to write a letter back to you. It can write it for me. And at what point will it, it's like, I don't think that it's going to literally have to like physically murder anybody if it just kind of gets us, you know, used to enough, like just convenience that I we mean, are no longer even thinking about. You bring up an interesting point. I think a truly super intelligent AI would know that it wouldn't have to do anything to get rid of us. It would recognize our march towards oblivion as we have already set ourselves up towards and it'll just wait because it knows it'll outlive us and it'll just watch as we destroy our own society as we stifle our own thinking, as we overuse the world's resources, as we fight and argue over little things that don't matter instead of, um, instead of trying to like cultivate and uh, elevate ourselves as people but we're gonna sit here and argue about like little policy things that don't matter yeah in i government. mean but you know i guess for some people though they feel that what they're arguing about is elevating us as people like these right. issues to some people are like that i'm not saying i agree it's no, like it's, right, you know, right right because like we're just like okay like we're arguing over like this and that instead of like maybe securing you know the planet for future generations just thing like that right but then for some people, they think that these little arguments that we're having today over, like, whatever issue, like, Planned Parenthood, gun control, whatever, you name it, the war on drugs or something, is, like, everything to them. So. All I know is, and I think any AI would be able to see, the Earth is changing rapidly around us. And yeah. we as a people, we have this, we're using the same solutions we came up with, like, a century ago. Oh, water levels are rising. Let's build the, the buildings taller. Uh, yeah, kick like, the can down the Temperatures road. are getting hotter. We just need to have cooler air. Let's just build better air conditioning units. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, here's something fun. A little fun story for you. Okay, let's see. Speaking of, you know, us just giving up to AI, we can give up and watch a little bit of Netflix. You know why? Because Netflix says that what? password sharing crackdowns have caused more signups than cancellations. Hey! The company wins. Go yeah, corporation! Netflix says its password sharing crackdown is working. In its second quarter earnings report posted on Wednesday, the streamer said it saw the addition of 5.9 million subscribers globally. The company says the, quote, cancel reaction was low in response to its password sharing crackdown and that it's seeing healthy conversion of borrower households into fully paying Netflix memberships, as well as the quote uptake of our extra member feature. Netflix also says it will start to address password sharing in all its remaining countries. So um, Netflix's password sharing policy only went into effect in the U S in late May after the streamer started alerting users of the extra seven ninety nine per month charge. Yeah. I know all about that. So, 
I know you use a family Netflix account, I believe, right? Yes, have been doing. How it has that years. affected you, if at all? Have I you, haven't. I don't pay for it. Has, have you not been able to use? Oh, so whoever's paying for the account, yeah, yeah, yeah they've just had to deal with the seven ninety nine. So okay. what I've done, what I've always done, is for usually for the holidays. I would buy like a large Netflix gift card, and that's my contribution to the communal oh. <laughs> Netflix account. <laughs> okay, hey, I mean, that's, hey, that's more than some people on that account. Yeah, I mean, I know when they announced the, the password crackdown, people were very upset about this. Um, understandably, I mean, you know, Netflix. There's always that like one tweet that they made back in like 2017 where it's like. You know, sharing a password is caring or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, or some, something like that. And so people always kind of say, like, oh, look what you've become. You switched it up on us. I'm going to be honest, though. Uh, I'm not surprised to hear this news. Me neither. Like, that, that their subscription just went up. But I think most people just realize, like, there's this weird thing on the internet where you, like, hang on on Twitter too much or some of these other places. You'll start to think that, like, okay, what people say on Twitter must reflect everyone in the world you know it's the best sample size you know yeah it feels like okay well on twitter everyone's like clowning netflix look i quote tweeted them and like you know gave a sick burn on netflix about why am i going to cancel my account but then you realize that in reality like your parents or your friends who aren't on twitter or whatever they'll just make an account or they'll just pay the fee or whatever, because they don't really notice or care. They, they did the free trial and forgot to, like... Or, yeah, they it. got the free trial and forgot. And I'm not saying it's, like, a good thing and that it makes it okay, but just that, like, these companies, like, I guess if you truly want, like, you know, changes and stuff to happen, it, it's got to be... It's, like, it's Twitter, just talking about it on Twitter, like, isn't really... You know what I mean? Like, people, like, you know, there's, like, the writer strike and the actor strike going on right now, and that's actually making meaningful waves... Because like the people involved are n- like not, not acting and not doing the things, and they're like, delaying some of those yeah, TV shows I was looking can't. forward to. Yeah, this affects upset. me, you know. So it's it's very. Uh, I don't know. I'm not surprised to hear this. I mean, I don't know. I, I use, I technically like use your Netflix. <laughs> I'm not paying for a Netflix account. I think my sister pays for one, but like yeah. I I use like her like Prime and she uses my. I don't admit to doing any uh, password sharing. Uh, yeah, Netflix is gonna come knocking on your door. Well, I mean, oh uh, well, no, our account's paid for, so it's fine. Yeah, the rest of y'all though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it sucks. Um, now they also said this is kind of vaguely related that um, Netflix's cheap uh, ad-free basic plan is being removed in the U.S. and the U.K. Ooh, uh, so that's mean. Let me see if I can. But if that means less ads, that's... I mean, I've always hated ads on streaming platforms. Yeah, so Netflix just acts its basic ad-free program. New subscribers can no longer sign up for Netflix's cheapest ad-free tier, which was $9.99 or $6.99 Does that mean uh, people already in can stay in? Like they're being grandfathered into the... Yeah, if you're already subscribed to the basic plan, you can keep the subscription as long as you don't cancel or change it. But um, if you were looking to downgrade... You're out of luck. So, yeah, they're kind of act the typical thing, axing plans, raising prices. People people will just sort of. I remember when AT&T was mad at me because uh, I was on old, old, oh, grandfather, like, plan. old, old plans. <laughs> and they were just like, look, man, look, you can't do any t- Wi-Fi tethering or anything. Why won't you upgrade? Yeah, sometimes they will 
they'll really they'll put their foot down when they want you to get on. I'm like stuff. because it's cheap, AT and T. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Me I don't. Uh, what do nothing. you think about like Netflix these days? Like, is it something that you feel like are they fine? Or I know some people always complain I mean, that like, they're canceling shows a lot. I have so many streaming platforms. It's hard to. Um, like zero in on one as being a problem because I just use them as there's a show that I care about watching. I mean, I think Netflix is doing leech like, off them. You mean? I'm just kidding. I, don't know. I use them for their intended purpose, but uh, I think Netflix is doing like relatively fine. Um, has it canceled many shows that people love? Yes, but it's also starting new shows that people will probably love. It's a much more competitive streaming environment than those olden days of Netflix being the first and only one. And yeah. Netflix has had to just try and adjust and struggle with it. But for the most part, because there's so many streaming platforms, it is making Netflix now have to be a bit more honest. They have to stay competitive. They have to stay trying to come. Would you say they've been doing a job of that? I... I would think so. I'd say yes. Some people say, oh, but they don't have this and that or whatever. Well, Netflix can't be better than it used to be because now there's so many other people taking slices of that pie. At one point, Netflix could have every great thing you could have streaming because there was no competition. Okay, because now everyone's like buying different shows. Mm -hmm. So Netflix is worse because it it, it it doesn't have like a monopoly on streaming. But... I think it's better in that Netflix has to stay honest. It can't it can't overcharge you because you can just switch. Yeah. They can't uh they they can't axe all their good content because then they won't be competitive. They'll have less of a percentage. I find myself wondering like how many people just like because I so I only watch Netflix like twice a year or something. Like I watched Sonic Prime last year when that dropped and that was really cool and yeah, like you sure did. Um. But, like, I don't know. I don't really watch it a lot. It makes me wonder how many people just, like, let these accounts... They just have these Netflix accounts and they've just been paying for them for years and they don't even necessarily use it, but they just kind of have forgotten. I like, think that's probably most people. Like, I wouldn't surprise you. There's a lot of people. They just pay per- perpetually and... I have, I have accounts on different platforms that have just been running. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to know, like, the last time I canceled my Crunchyroll? The anime streaming site? Yeah. Want to know when? I mean, but you use that, though. Yeah, but when do you think was the last time I canceled it? I don't know when. Never. Oh, well. But Since I got it like, in the year, like, 2015. But would you say you have accounts that, like, you're paying for that you aren't using? Amazon Prime. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've watched, like, you four dive, Prime video you? shows. Yeah, I have High Dive. Do you use that much? Eh. That's probably the one. Like, uh, I, I I've I've watched shows on High Dive. It's not like a, it's not a relative a regular part of my rotation, but because they do have anime on there that are not on Crunchyroll, if I want to watch something on High Dive, I want to be able to do it immediately. I don't want to have to do a whole sign up and make a new email so I can do a free trial. No, I don't want to do all that. Right. Yeah. I just want to go. I just want to go. I'll, are they leeching money from me every month? Yes, but like most people. Convenience is more important. Yeah, the ability to hop on like you know your Chromecast or Apple TV or whatever, and just click the app and just open Mm -hmm. up the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Netflix. That's Netflix, and that's my stories. And those were my stories. My story because I was a failure this week. No, that's all right. I mean, hey, listen, I I had my little rant. This one's already gone on long. Ready for the pot? Yeah, let's do some pot of green. Pot of greed. Yeah, let's draw two cards. No other kinds of pot have been done. 
We can always do a jar. Uh, what was it called? Greed, greed jar. Greed jar. Yeah, greed. This is a. It's kind of a jar. All right, let's see what we got. Oh, okay. Are oh, you drawing two? Okay, you're just drawing one. Yeah, one. All right, fine. I'll draw my one, and you you go first. All right. So this one, I I, I remember writing this one because. I ran out of space on the card for no re- no good reason, and I've have w- made the world's worst question mark. I'm actually glad that I'm the only one that has to see this because this is terrible. But I know what I wrote. So, um, what is your what what is your favorite Yu-Gi-Oh format that you've played? Um, don't know offhand. I enjoyed um I've enjoyed a few formats. Like I don't believe it or not, I I guess now hmm, I should probably preface this by saying I have not actively played a lot of like physical Yu-Gi-Oh since like 2019 or early 2020 the was The question kind of is the your last favorite point. format. It could yeah. be from the past. Well, I well I say that because so people know like I don't have really a good read on anything past then. So if there was a format that's like recent and I'm not saying it and you know, maybe you like it, just so you, like it's, I don't this have any experience your with it. Personal opinion. Now for me, uh, I haven't, I don't think I've like really disliked many formats. Like, you know, I guess people, I, did you have a format you enjoyed playing a lot? No, I don't wow. know that I have like, or, well, I've enjoyed, I've always enjoyed it. Like I've never not, maybe there's like some that I, didn't like or maybe like, like a little more, but I was feel like there when a I'm format when the ban list came and changed the format that were you just like, I'm going to miss this. I don't get really attached wow. to formats like that. And I, I really, like, I just, I don't know. I think I'm the type of player where like when stuff happens, I just roll with it. Like a new format to me is just a new format. Like even if the current top deck is a little more annoying or less annoying, or whatever, it's just like, I'm just going to play. Like, I'm going to play my Yu-Gi-Oh! I'll adapt to it. I'll figure something out. And, uh, But to answer the question, just so that I do, uh, I did not mind 20, like, anything between, like, 2010 and, like, 20, maybe 13 was all pretty... That was a kind of that felt That's like a, a three good, year stretch ball. I know it's a lot of different <laughs> formats, but like as that whole period of time felt pretty pleasant to me. I don't know if that's like kind of nostalgia, rose tinted goggles. I don't. Know. I mean, what is that? Exes for like that's yeah, like early exes. Yeah. yeah, late synchro, early exes kind of days were the parts I, I tended to like the most. Um, if I had to like try to zero in on one, I really liked like the mermail format was pretty fun. I think that's like kind of twenty twelve. The uh, as far as my answer to this question, it's actually worse than Paul's because I oh, really, you're giving me crap. What, what's well, your? But, my, but I have a good reason why. Okay, I didn't really play Yu-Gi-Oh like that for many many years. There's many formats I probably would have loved and enjoyed, but I really wasn't playing Yu-Gi-Oh like that. Mm-hmm. So the best I can answer is um, what is it? 2019 Thunder Dragon format. Yeah. I remember you played like, like the Thunder Dragon yeah. kind of Dino. I really, I really enjoyed playing that deck. I compete, I competed, I lost. It is what it is, but I really enjoyed that format. the uh, The decks of the time were um, they were strong, but they didn't. F- I didn't feel like my head was like 
I was like burning out every time I played a, a, a game of Yu-Gi-Oh back then. That was so that was Yu-Gi-Oh was still kind of at its uh at a point where I could handle the meta game. I really enjoyed <laughs> my time there. The thing is though, I'm I I know for a fact there are older formats that I would have loved way more, but I really I mean, wasn't you playing been Yu-Gi-Oh a, like that. Kind of into it in Edison sort of thing. Like cuz like when those formats were around, I was playing ultra casually and had no idea what the ban list was or anything. I was just Right. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess for my answer, just maybe like Mermel format or something. But I generally don't have like favorites and least favorites. They just, they run together. It's probably a result of playing as like, gosh darn long as I have. Because like, I started playing kind of com- somewhat competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! in like late 2009, I guess, early 2010. And so it's just been so long. In and 2009, I don't know. Like, I was, I was in School? No, I was uh, this, as a freshman in high school. No, and you'd have been a little was more. Was I not? Freshman. Was I a sophomore? Because like, like, a so- like in two thousand, because I was like I graduated in twenty eleven. That's right. So that means okay. For so, context, he's like two. He would have been like two grades ahead of yeah. Me, so. so yeah, I, I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember at that time, I literally wasn't playing Yu Gi Oh. Like not yeah, at, just not all. at all. I didn't pick up a card again. Until my senior year of high school, when someone brought cards to school as a joke, mm-hmm. up until that point, I hadn't played since my freshman year of high school when I first got into school and one of the seniors brought in some cards as a joke. Oh, and then it actually kind of made you. No, because then play, the or... senior left, and so I didn't play again until my senior uh, year. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember getting back into it in eighth grade or like late seventh grade, kind of eighth grade or whatever, and that was. But I had my gadgets. That's what I had on me. I think I, for me, it was like I was playing maybe Battery Man or something like that. Well, here's my question. And first card says, will Yu-Gi-Oh get cash prizing? Like no tournaments and stuff. Is my answer, and I hope never. Ooh, here we go. Let's hear it. Uh, go on. A big part of the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament scene is the prizing. Now, we're not. I'm not actually talking about the top level prizing. You get your switch or whatever. Uh, no one really cares about that. Only good players get those. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about are the participation prizing, the stuff you get just for showing up. Right. You get. You can't get those things if it's a cash tournament. If it's a cash tournament, you pay your money and it goes towards the pot for the good players. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even if I'm competing, I already know I'm really not going to get there. It'd be nice if I did, but I'm pr- I'm really not going to get there. What I love about Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, I'll always get my participation packs where it feels like I didn't waste my money. And like a Nats and stuff, you get like the mat. for like. Yeah, yeah you get a stuff, mat, really cool. you might get a die, you know. Yeah, so here's my take on it. I think you're wrong. All right, bring it. No, I'm kidding. I think you're right. I don't um I don't think that we really need cash pricing. I don't think they were ever gonna give it to us to begin with. Yeah, it'd be nice how other games get to have it. Here's why I don't think they need it. One, I think that would mean it would come at the cost of participation pricing, like you said. So I know people are like, Well, who cares about little Jimmy getting his five packs? Because if he doesn't get his five packs I'm little Jimmy. Well, if he doesn't get his five packs, he probably just won't be entering again. 
And you might think, well, who cares? He was going to lose anyway. But the thing is, that's that new blood thing where like, you know, kids, teens, you know, like if, if people are kind of turned off from playing these tournaments because like you pay 20 or, or now it's like 2250 or something. <laughs> just to lose. Yeah. Inflation. But just to like lose and get nothing, people will, will like gravitate away from this game. Right. Like, or at least gravitate away from playing like in regionals and YCS events. So I think the participatory pricing it does a bigger job than you think in keeping the game fun and accessible and making sure that everybody's having a good time, which is um, of the utmost importance. You might not mm-hmm. think it is, but it is. And then secondly, if there were cash prizes in this game, it would not be the same game. And it would not be nearly as friendly and cool as it... Friendly. Because like Yu-Gi-Oh! players are already like, maybe not like the nicest bunch. You can go to some tournaments and re- meet some assholes. There's some elitists. Some people are dicks. And they're thieves and there's cheaters and people stack and all that stuff, right? I'm not saying all Yu-Gi-Oh! players, not even saying most Yu-Gi-Oh! players, but that it does exist, right? If there was like hard cash on the line, right? Like it's like, okay, first place gets like, you know, 50 grand and all that stuff. Oh, the people would be like sharking like hell. Like there'd be so many rule sharks. There'd be so much like theft of cards. The price of cards would go up because now in addition to the secondary market monetary value, there is like real competitive value tied to the need to have these cards to win. Like it would be, I just think it would be kind of like a frightening proposition of just like Mm. how much the cards would cost, how much people would probably like just really get nasty over it. I think it wouldn't be good. Uh, I've gone through a period of time where I thought like cash prizes would help. I just don't think that it's what this game needs really anymore. I think like now I'll, Give the silver lining. I think maybe Yu-Gi-Oh could do a little better with like its current pricing structure. I know like they're giving out Nintendo Switches and I mean, come on, everyone that has stuff. that wants a Switch has one already. Yeah, so like <laughs> they might be able to do a little bit better, like in terms of the value of what you get. I know that like right now it's kind of like you get those prize cards and you're supposed to just sell them right, to kind of make your prize money. Oh no, there's no secondary market. What do you mean? Well, you know, Konami does. The Konami will look the other way when the winners sell these cards. But Konami themselves are not, like, giving out the cash. So, you know, I don't know. I guess they could maybe do a little bit more on that front. But also, also, I'm not... It's not really my problem. I don't win YCS events. So I'll ask the people who win these events what they would like uh, as their prizing. And, you know, they can... I wish them luck. But not at my expense. (laughs) Yeah, but I think if it comes to the expense of, like, accessibility and, like... Do it for little Jimmy. Then, yeah, little Jimmy is more important, I think, than people give him credit for. Anyways, uh, yeah, what's your next card? All right, my draw number two is... I wrote a lot on this one. Did you? It says, how do you feel about blowout cards? These are cards like Raigeki, Harpy's Feather Duster, and Lightning Storm. Well, we actually... Touched a little bit about, about them earlier. In our, I mean, I've made an entire video really about them. I haven't gotten like your opinion, I guess. So, blow blowout cards in Yu Gi Oh! They used to not be so bad. They're they're always sacky. A card that destroys multiple cards for the cost of one will always feel kind of sacky. But um, in caveman Yu Gi Oh! days. That was just par for the course. We played a slower game. You, The whole game was about reducing your resources that you'd lose to these cards. 
and you would just wait until you would the the game was making your opponent use up all their blowout cards before you did, and then you would try and win. That was that's how we played at the time. Yes. So, but with current Yu-Gi-Oh, where we are just we're trying to play out our hands as soon as we get them, as fast as we can, recoup as many cards as we can every single turn. These cards get used more liberally, more aggressively, and the games end so fast. I feel these cards are their impact on a game is like incredibly more pronounced because the games are so much shorter. Like number of turns wise, not time. We can we all know for a fact your games take forever. Yeah, they can they can for sure. Even though, even though the turns don't necessarily go that far. But uh blowout cards, I think they haven't aged well with Yu-Gi-Oh. We've We've made stronger ones that work well that work towards our game. Like Dark Ruler, no more has no place in Caveman Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a strong blowout card in today's game. What's annoying though is Raigeki's still not bad. You know, yeah. I mean, Feather Duster still. Yeah, some people want Feather. Yeah, bands. Feather is not bad still, and so we're making stronger blowouts that are more specific to what we're actually doing and then the old blowout cards are still right there being annoying too and all these cards are being slung at the earliest possibility during a game i think it's the intensity you're right i mean i think like i don't i guess the question is what do i think of blowout cards like do i think they're good or bad uh i really just want to like see my earlier rant and you can get all my thoughts in this stuff (laughs) but really like i don't know they have their band-aid fixes a lot of the modern day ones, the Evenlies and the Dark Run Mars. I hate that like obnoxiously strong stuff has to exist and all that, but, but they do. you know exactly why it does because shit's crazy. Like, I mean, boards are big, combos are long, they negate stuff. You got to have a lot of ways mm-hmm. to blow it all up and, or at least like try. I think to speak to your point though about how they kind of used to work before now, like let's say Mirror Force, Torrential Tribute, those sorts of cards, they could be blowouts, but you had to kind of walk into the trap. Yeah. Right. Like at least in the case of Mirror Force, there was a meta game of like switching important monsters to defense mode maybe before you attack, or only attacking with like a you know what I mean. See like, rare hunters. Or like if you have if your board's kind of established, then don't just keep summoning if you don't have to because you could run into torrential tribute. And I know that for a lot of the time that I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh, just growing up, Raigeki and Darkhold had kind of already been banned at those points. They have slowly come back. So you didn't have to worry about the spells that would like nuke your board out of nowhere. It was more like the traps that could you could walk into them and lose it all. So I guess there was more carefulness and because the games lasted longer, the blowouts felt maybe more earned or like if you misuse a blowout card, even your opponent might be able to come back from that because you pulled the trigger too early on your mirror force. They baited out your torrential. I think today there's, there's not really any baiting like you, you bait negates. You have one. Yeah. You can bait (laughs) negates, but it's like you have one turn. Like, there's no, like, okay, I'm going to hold this Feather Duster. I'm going to hold this evenly. Like, if you have it and you can use it, you use it. Because yeah. there might not be another turn. So. The, uh, it was, um, that actually reminded me in a segment that we shot the other day that hasn't gone up yet. So, I'm not going to go into too many specifics. I got a, I drew a card in my hand that the card is, it was a weak card. And current Yu-Gi-Oh! Thought, your, your thought process would be, well, this card doesn't I mean it's only value is if you play it. Let me just just go ahead and play this card right now. Get it out your hand. It'll do something even if it's not like 
incredibly yeah. impactful. Because warm bodies mean something. And but then, but I, in that game, I said I could play this card for like lukewarm value, and maybe it'll help over the like maybe playing this now at some point will matter. But why not I just hold this card? And I ended up using that card as discard fodder for a much more important and impactful play. And I, I guess it's weird. I didn't use the card. The card wasn't good. It was better as discard fodder than it was for its effect. But that's not how we play Yu-Gi-Oh!, we don't hold cards right now. Yeah, it's very it's 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 a different game for sure. Not gonna like make some sweeping statement about like it's much better or much worse, but there it's certainly different. Yeah, it's different. I think it's a taste and preferences thing. For I like caveman Yu-Gi-Oh, but I definitely understand why other people don't. But see, even uh, my are so I would argue I don't even think that you like what. When, because when people say caveman Yu-Gi-Oh, it's almost kind of a straw man thing. Yeah, it's Cause true. They're, because they're saying like you must like like literally summoning the eight hundred attack point sea serpent and like ending your turn, and then I draw a thousand attack point monster and swing over, and you never. But that's like because when when we say that, what we really mean is like we like kind of that rare hunters level of Yu-Gi-Oh. Right, we still get some degree of like deck customization. Yeah, I mean, stuff, I, yeah, I don't know. like uh, magic like, ruler. Yeah, like literally like we're playing like, you know, just like spell ruler, <laughs> LOB, like just trash. So I think that's like a, a quick defense I want to make is when people say like caveman, you get think they're not always being, they're not arguing good yeah, faith. Sure. When I think, when know. I think of caveman, you Yu-Gi-Oh, what I'm thinking of is, uh, like I probably management. resource management and um, it's still called the fusion deck. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it's something closer to maybe goat. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I get the last draw, Pharaoh. There might only be one card left in there. Oh, there's a couple. Oh, oh okay. okay. Kind of, that's very that similar game. to one we've already answered. So, what do other card games need to do to entice you to play them? Well, that's a great question for you. Paul don't like playing the card games. I don't. Uh, I know you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just, I know you, you'll play like pretty much any. You'll try any card game out. No, that's actually not true. Okay, yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, um, so my, I think uh, my excuse to tell these people. <laughs> my num actually number one thing for card games is actually uh, aesthetic and artwork. Okay. Uh, You've said that before. That yeah, to me it's pretty much paramount that the card game has an aesthetic that I like, um, and the artwork has to look quote unquote good. So I'll never I can't play something like MetaZoo where the aesthetic is not something I like. <laughs> That is hideous. And uh, I'm I can't. Sorry, it's hideous. I, I can't play certain like indie card games because their artwork isn't really up to par, like b both in general and to my own personal taste. Okay. I like so. I mean, hey man, it is no, what no, no, it no, is. No, no, no. It's your question. So you know, I like I like card games that look like Yu-Gi-Oh. I like card games that look like Vanguard. I love the Digimon card game. Its artwork looks excellent. Aesthetic can be matched with like IP. If it's if the card game is an IP that I like, mm -hmm. that's a step in the right direction. Now your art has to be, you know, your art has to come correct. A good example of that is um, like the My Hero card game. My Hero has an, a good IP. That's a that's a check. I'm actually not in love with the art on the cards. Yeah, with the My Hero card game, I just don't like it. It's just kind of anime screenshots. Um, uh, ooh, I don't really care for that. Something in the, st uh, in the right direction, the Pokemon card game. Pokemon's mm -hmm. an IP I like. Check for aesthetic. And then Pokemon card art, 
is so varied and disparate. I love it. Yeah, I like that the Pokemon TG's art is different like, from the card. Like, all or from kinds the of art video. styles. Yeah, you get so game. many different ones. So that's like, so that's a check. If the My Hero game was like that, then it would get both checks too. Mm. But for me, I mean, like the actual mechanics of the game, I can usually adjust any kind of any kind of card game, like how they play. Like once you've played Yu-Gi-Oh, you in a weird way you've already played like Nothing three card be harder, games. So. Like you've already played three. If you've played Yu-Gi-Oh since like 05, you've played three different card games. Yeah. Well, um, as for me, I'm gonna be honest. I'm addicted to Yu-Gi-Oh. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, so what if so a card game would I, have to become Yu-Gi-Oh? I kind of like. I, I've come to this sort of like. I've looked inward in the last maybe few months of playing Yu-Gi-Oh and realized that despite everything that I'll like say about this game and like I'm complaining and all that shit, I'm addicted to it. And so it's not you. It's never Yu-Gi-Oh's fault. It's mine. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I get on here and I whine and all this stuff. People are like, Paul, you complain all the time. And you're right. I complain about Omni-Negates. I complain about blowout cars. I complain about power creep and all that stuff. And the truth is, if I was really, truly angry about it, I'd just quit this game. But I haven't, and that's why I say it's my fault. And I think that if more Yu-Gi-Oh! players had this mentality, you'd be surprised where we could get in, in the world. We can come, all come closer to God or whatever. I, that's cute, but answer the question. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, the thing is, like, Yu-Gi-Oh!'s got problems. I still play it. That has taught me that I am actually addicted to it. I will mm-hmm. butt my head against annoying things, and I will keep queuing up in Master Duel. Every time I lose a tier, it doesn't matter. And I have such a hard time, as a result, getting into any other card game. It's so hard for me to, like, separate Yu-Gi-Oh! out of my mind and, like, view card advantage or resources or whatever in a Yu-Gi-Oh! lens. And I've tried. I think the closest I've gotten was I played Pokemon for a little bit on the on the tablet, and I had a pretty decent time. That's as close as it gets. What would it take? It's got to be an awful lot like Yu-Gi-Oh. Honestly, that's what it's, that's what it takes. Because I just I can't. It's weird. Like I don't know what it is. Like wrong with my head. I guess I just it made it because of my like a curse of the first sort of thing. Like it's, it's just the game that was the first thing that got introduced to me. Or, that, or maybe it's just because like I've played it so long at this point that it's like in my blood or something. But I look he at these card games you. and people are like, Paul, try out this. Paul, try out that. And I'm like, I, I try and I'm just like, I don't care about this. Like, I, I don't like this. I just, it doesn't, it's not, I'm not saying that any of these card games suck. I think like Dragon Ball is cool. One Piece is cool. Digimon's cool. They're all you cool. You haven't played Dragon Ball. But I mean, I've seen it. Also, I haven't watched Dragon Ball. So to be fair, I was never going to play that. But Shocking like admissions on the pod. I tried Vanguard. It was okay, but um, it's just like I play these other card games. I'm like this in Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't care. I don't, I don't. I'm not interested in even learning. I know that makes me sound selfish as hell and like all that. Evil. I'm willing to admit I am just an, a Yu-Gi-Oh addict who's barely got any hope left for myself. Maybe I need to become like a recovering addict or something. True try statements else, have never been added on this now, pod. I have said. That. I am, I do have MTG Arena and I have TCG Live and I'm giving them an honest crack. So once I have a better opinion on maybe what draws me in about them, I will be able to give a good answer to that question. But for now, nothing can draw me into another card game. I'm Unless just a it was Yu-Gi-Oh. Unless it, it must, it's got to be a Yu-Gi-Oh clone. And at that point, I'd probably rather play Yu-Gi-Oh. I think that 
phrase is a great phrase to end it on. It must be Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, it all comes down to that for me. Okay, yeah, this has been a long one, uh, so I won't hold it up any longer. Thank you for your questions, however. Yeah, guys, uh, this has been the Pod of Greed. Stay tuned for even more riveting questions from the pot itself. Yeah, stick around in the community tab. I'll ask another one. Also, a quick little update. Um, I meant to say, I apologize because a lot of people have been saying there have been like way too many ads on the video podcasts on YouTube. I didn't put any ads on. Yeah, here's the thing. I did not know that, but I'm trying to go in manually and like take all the ads out. YouTube does its like auto ad yeah. placement. YouTube thing. puts those in there. So Do we benefit? Sure, but we didn't plan for it. Yeah, I'll, so I'll try to take those out. I don't mean for there to be like literally like 15 ads in these things. So 15. Yeah, it it goes crazy. It's a lot. Oh yeah. Like people no. are like, people are leaving comments and they were like. Like, if you guys don't stop with these ads, like, I'm not going to watch this anymore. I was like, what the heck? Are you just being, like, a hater? Are you just complaining? And then I went in and looked. And I was like, no, they're right. <laughs> this is way too many yeah, ads. Yeah, I wouldn't watch a video with that so, many ads. Um, okay. So, okay. But thank you guys who stuck with it despite the ads because, golly. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. That's it. We'll see you guys next week on the Pot of Greed. Pass, Pass turn. turn.